everyone welcome to another edition of the bat around i'm here for the start of the show this week just barely thanks to traffic i gotta get better at this man i like my time management when it comes to getting to this studio because i don't think cromwell bridge road is the oh, worst it's, it's is a, the worst road out there road. nobody wants to do the speed limit but hello hi i'm paul valley he's zach goodman we're here with another installment of the bat around on a Dreary, gloomy, not yeah. really raining, but dreary, gloomy Saturday. At least it's warm out. I believe it's supposed to rain the rest of the day. Am I wrong? Or I, I, I heard that I like two days ago. Not. I, I hope to hell not. I have a baseball game. Oh, tomorrow. do you really? And uh, nah, man, it's uh, no, not gonna rain. The highest. That's good. I'm happy. The highest about that. percentage chance of rain the rest of the day is 39 percent at 5 p.m. Okay. Every, All right. Every, oh, everything nice. else is in the teens. Good. 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 So, I like to hear it. Uh, hopefully, how's, <coughs> how's your baseball team doing this year? Um, we are. One, one, and one. Okay. So the first game, we had a lead. And it's against a team that we never beat, the okay. Astros. It's against, oh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we, we, the team, well, they're, they're, it's they're actually, stealing your signs. It's so. a, probably. It's actually the team that I play with down in Florida. Okay. Um, and we lose to them by one run mm-hmm. every game. Wow. We lose them by the first game. I went two for four. I drove in a couple of runs. I scored a couple of runs, a couple of stolen bases. I pitched two, two shutout innings. Okay. I've only given up one run in eight innings this mm-hmm. year. But I pitched two shutout innings, but our other pitcher kind of lost his control in the uh, sixth inning. Okay. And um, so we ended up losing that game six to five. We won our second game. I threw. I, I got. I picked up the save in our second game, a, a, a scoreless ninth. Uh, and All right, then, Jorge and Lopez. Then in our third game, we were down eleven to one. They brought me in to pitch with one out in the fourth inning. I went five innings, one run on two hits with five strikeouts, no walk. I was on it. I was in a zone. Nice. Love it. We were down eleven to one, and we came back and we tied the game twelve twelve. Wow. Um, we scored five runs in the ninth inning, and then they wouldn't let us go to extra innings because there's a time limit because the field gotcha. is used. But so one one and one, we have we have a good team, man. If, if the other pitcher and I continue pitching like this we'll, we'll be okay anyway glad to hear it. that's not the important thing the important thing is that the Orioles played a baseball game last night and they lost they did and they went one for 12 with runners in scoring position now I was at work so I was looking up when I could it sucks that I have to work on Friday nights and I have to miss the game before the freaking show that's why I like the west coast games because I, I work and then I don't have to miss the games although I am off next Friday because the pup comes home next, ah, right, next Friday right. so, I, so I took off and we'll get to this in a second, but if Adley Rutschman doesn't debut on Monday, he's going to debut on Friday, and we might have to uh, go to that game. <laughs> let's I have do to it. Tell Laura, right, I'm sorry, babe. I, I, I got to be there for the bat around. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the bat around, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. For today's show, Stan the Fan Charles is going to join us at about 10.25. Uh, Zach's going to sound off on Adley Rutschman. We're going to sound off on Adley Rutschman a lot today. Uh, And then at 11 o'clock from MLBPipeline.com, we're going to have Sam Dykstra. He was there for the... Uh, pipeline game of the month um, on Thursday between Norfolk and Memphis. So he got to see up close Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Nick Gordon. We're not going to talk about Nick Gordon because who the hell cares about Nick Gordon here in Baltimore? <laughs> um, Matthew Libertori as well. 
Ah, uh, was in that game. I don't care about him. He's not an Orioles prospect. Uh, he's a good player. Who cares? He's not an Orioles. He's prospect. a really good pitcher. Yeah, All right, whatever, man. He's not. No, he's that's not part an of the prospect. appeal of that game. Well, I, I did watch that game actually. Good I game. was. I was here. Um, we're not going to talk to him about anybody other than Orioles players and some draft prospects and who he thinks the Orioles might take number one overall and some other prospects that on the Orioles that maybe that played in this game but maybe uh, aren't you know on people's radar as much as they should be. Uh, and then we're going to close things out with um, Orioles banter. And take to rake, which, by the way, I have not compiled the stats. Um, I, can and, get, I get to work on that. And, uh, and my guy, Brian Mountcastle, didn't play the last half of the week because of the yes. forum strain to put him on the, on the injured list. So we're going to get to all of that and more here on the bat around. Getting back to last night's game. So I'm watching, and I look in the first inning, and New Orleans have runners on first and second with nobody out. They don't score. Mm. They have runners on first and second with, I know with two outs. I don't know if they had it with one out or not. In the second inning, they don't score. They get back-to-back home runs from Trey Mancini and uh, Anthony Santander in the eighth inning. Then they load the bases, I think with one out, and they don't score again. And then they load the bases in the ninth inning with... Okay, so they get first and second with nobody out in the ninth inning. Santander strikes out. Then Nevin walks. So the base is loaded with one out. They pinch hit Ramon Arias, who hasn't played in a week. Right. And he strikes out. It wasn't even a competitive And, and he wasn't performing well before yeah. he, he didn't it, play it, for the week. It just was not a competitive no. It was It was three pitches, three strikes, get the hell out of the batter's box. And then they, um, with the bases loaded, they had Austin Hayes pinch running, but it didn't matter. It, you could have had, you had, you know, Byron Buxton. Out sure. there at second base, and it didn't matter because then Rylan Bannon comes up and with one with a one-one count takes a fastball on the inner third that should be right in any right-handed hitter's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and he just watches it. And maybe he's looking for something else, and I get that it happens to me. Um, but he watches it, strike two, and then the next pitch is a, a fifty-eight foot breaking ball. Yeah, that he that he offers at, and it just the bat went too far. He strikes out. The game's over. Much to do about nothing. Orioles lose a game four to two, and this is a game. One for 12 with runners in scoring position. 14 batters left on base. And this is a game where you miss Austin Hayes and right. Ryan Mountcastle and a healthy Ramon Arias. Because if Ramon Arias is like, we, we talked about this on the show before, his his hard hit rate and line drive rate are up from last year. Strikeout rate is down. He's just hitting into some bad luck. If, if those three guys are healthy and in your lineup, that game probably goes differently. You have base, run, base runners all night long. All right. and, and you couldn't bring them home. But those three guys in a lot of things are probably different. Arguably, you look at Austin Hayes as the best hitter so far of the team this year. I mean, Cedric Mullins has performed well, but Austin Hayes has performed above reasonable expectation. And then, of course, when you remove him and Mountcastle from the lineup, where there's two of your three best hitters immediately removed, you're not going to be as competitive as you as you would have been previously. So it doesn't surprise me the Orioles had a, had a rough off, offensive night. Um, you know there there are a lot of guys in this lineup. You look up and down at the averages and the OPSs and the the on base percentages and all the stats, and you look at it and Nevin's hitting 147, Odor's hitting 195, Torinos is hitting 141. When you remove guys that are actually performing at the top of their game, like Mountcastle and Austin Hayes, and even Mountcastle hasn't been what you know maybe even what he was his, last year his, at this his, point. Well, he's actually doing better at this point. Than Is he? he was, okay, than he was. fair enough. You remember he hit like well, right, at the, at, but I'm saying like as the the 
to- season totals from 2021. Oh, he, he hasn't yeah. he hasn't really reached that level yet where we expected him to be. But he's been performing fine, and he's not having a down year by and, any means. And and the bats come on right, in the, in the right. last week, and it yes. sucks that the bats come on, and he's just got right. this forearm pain right. that that just gets increasingly worse on every swing, on every throw. Right. And, and so, so when you remove these guys, I mean, you can't really expect to have a great offensive night. And then Ramona Rios, obviously being out, hurts your cause again. Ryland Bannon, I mean. We can talk about the debut a little bit. I, I think that it's not really too big of a deal. Maybe the biggest part about it is that he is the the first player from the Manny Machado trade, except for Bravik Valera, because no one cares about Bravik Valera, um, to actually make his his debut um, as a, as a position player for the Orioles. Uh, we've seen Dean Kramer a lot, obviously. Zach Pop, who was also in that trade, is down there in Miami. But this is the first position player. Uh, Zach you, Pop's got been demoted. He ha- yeah, yeah, he actually is, is back in AAA right now. But Ryland Bannon... It doesn't excite me, but it is it is notable that he is that guy who finally made it from the Manny Machado trade at 26 years old, and what five seasons, four seasons, five seasons after he was he was for. he was in his first year of pro ball when he got traded. Right, so and he had 22 home runs. That year. Yeah. Now, look, it's in the Pacific Coast League. Yes, so you take that with, with a, with a right. grain of salt. But this is a guy that last year hit 10 home runs. Look, he got hurt at the beginning of the year and right. never really bounced back from that. He had a really nice stretch, right, uh, middle of the season where he hit 10 home runs in 10 games. We had him on the show right in the middle of that mm-hmm. stretch or at the tail end of that stretch. Yeah. Look, I, I don't I look at Ryland Bannon and maybe this is a capable guy. He, he's only 5 foot 8, but uh, Jose Altuve is 5'5". Five, five. Sure. You know what I mean? I, it's not really a height thing for me. It's more of just if you look at the offensive numbers especially at the higher levels, they haven't been exactly great. So I don't have great expectations for what Bannon's going to do. But if Bannon is a guy who can play a solid third base and give you decent enough defense, and still hit 230 around there, maybe hit you 10 home runs this year, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I don't think that's a terrible terrible outcome from him. But you need other guys in this lineup to supplement the glove-first guys like Abandon. You need guys like that, that aren't Robinson Torino's hitting 141. And you need guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes in this lineup, and when you remove them, you're certainly going to be off uh, you know, to a worse start in any game. Yeah, no, it, a- absolutely, and it, it's look when you got Chris Owings in the lineup every day, right? Exactly. You, you've got Robinson Chirinos hitting one forty, right. playing every day, and then when he's not playing, Anthony Bemboom, who's hitting one forty one, right, playing every other day, one combined home run. Yeah, uh, like guys, and that home run came two days ago, right? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, like guys. Uh, what do we expect here? Exactly. You know, and Eduardo Rodriguez is a capable pitcher. Yes. And look, the, and the Orioles had opportunity after opportunity, but when those opportunities come up and it's four guys like Ben Boom and Chirinos and Chris Owings and Ryland Bannon and Tyler Nevin, nothing against those guys. Right. But none of them are established big league players who you can count on. Well, at, right. After your top four, you've got Nevin, Odor, Bannon, Chirinos, Owings. Yeah, what do you expect there? Right, I mean, you got three combined hits out of all of those guys. Yeah, and, and so, the fact that you got three combined hits is actually surprising. That is surprising, right? You know, and and Owings was one of them, shockingly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Owings some, somehow. Chris Owings and Ruth Neto Door, man, you uh, like when everybody gets healthy again. I'd rather keep Bannon and Nevin here and just oh, get rid of those guys, hundred percent, and just get rid of like I, I don't need to see anything else no. from Chris Owings and Ruth Neto Door. To me, they're cooked. They're, they're absolutely. Done. I agree. Uh, so I, I don't need to see anything else. From them, Jordan Lyles, five and two thirds innings pitched. He was pitching well, and then the wheels kind of fell off. Right, in, and in, the same in, thing in the last outing. In the sixth inning, um, didn't he only give up two runs the last outing? He though? gave up three, I believe. I think it was two. I was at the game. Um, I want to say he, he pitched seven and a third. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and he and he gave up. Was he, it? it Maybe. I think it was three. I, I think it was four runs, three earned. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. You're I correct. Think was, you're I think correct. it was four runs, three earned. Look, he's doing. 
exactly what we told you he was going to do. Yeah, he's going to he's going to give you two or three really good starts, and then he's going to have a clunker. Sure. Last night was kind of in between the two. Right. It was it was good until it was a clunker. Yeah. Um. But look, if he go, if he pitches into the sixth inning and gives up four runs. I feel like you should be able to win this game. And again, oh, it, yeah. it, it goes back to how badly you're hurting missing those three guys in Hayes, Urias, and Mountcastle right. um, in the middle of your lineup. So uh, I, I'm not going to hate on the bullpen was lights out again. Yeah. Uh, they did exactly what they needed to do, and that they've been doing that all year. I mean, that, that game on Thursday, that was honestly, the game on Thursday was probably one of the most impressive wins of the year. When you think yeah. about the fact that they had one bench player, and it was Robinson Chirinos, right. and then on top of that, it, they had... Um, it was a great game. It was it, they. They just came out and they, they it, it pitched was, so unbelievably well. It was a bullpen well game. game. You, right. you get two and a third out right. of Brian Baker. Brian no, Baker. no runs, three Ks. You get two and two thirds out of Keegan Aiken. No mm-hmm. runs, four Ks. I mean, that's that's five innings and seven strikeouts from your two relievers. Right. And then the rest of the game. I mean, you you only give up two runs in that game. It was an impressive freaking victory. Agreed. Especially now. Look, the Cardinals have lost five of six. They're kind of reeling right now. But don't be mistaken. That's a good baseball. It's a good baseball team. That's a hundred percent. And, and they're going to get going here. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to get going. I mean, this is a team that won what nineteen games in a row last year. Yeah. Seventeen games in a row yeah, were, in September to make to put themselves in the playoffs. This is a good baseball team. They're, they're always good. Always competitive. Yeah. Always. Playoffs eight of the last eleven years. They're they're, they're going to get back to. And look, the Orioles series wins here. Look, look this is the first time since 2017 that they've gone four series without a series loss. There you go. You know, that's for, that's and, the and big difference. They here. did it they did it from August 21st to September 3rd where they won they won or split four straight series and before that the beginning of that 2017 season when they either won or split each of their first seven series. So you're talking five years, six seasons since they last did what what they're doing right now, and they could go out there and win today and win tomorrow and have a fifth straight non-losing series. I don't anticipate it because of what they're kind of up against and the fact that we're clamoring right now to have Richie Martin be part of the team. That's how that's how bad Chris Owings and Ruth Nettardor. I'm not clamoring for Richie Martin. <laughs> I can tell you that. I, I mean, but the way he he's hitting about 280 down down in Norfolk and big, the, big and, gap. and he's he's in a nine for 22 streak right now. And the way he was hitting in spring training, pass. Uh, I'm gonna bro, pass, bro, bro. It's a pass for me too. But when you look at Richie Martin, yeah. or Chris Owings, Ruth Neto Door, give me Richie Martin. He ain't Gunnar Henderson. He ain't Jordan Westberg. He ain't even Joey Ortiz. But they're not ready yet. I'll take him over Owings. I don't know about Odor. I Odor has been dude. Odor has been horrible. He's but, been no. He's been he's been. There's not a word R- to Richie, describe. Rich, how, Richie Martin, to be fair, has never had one good season in, in Major League Baseball, or really had one even good stretch in Major League no, Baseball. No, he, he hit 286 the second half of 2019. Did he? Yeah, he he had okay. he uh, he had a or maybe not the second half, but the last two months he had he had a nice stretch there. And look, Rofinetto Door isn't going to have a stretch like that. No, and the defense has been oh, oh he's got a great glove. No, the hell he doesn't. He's on pace for over 30 errors this year. Oh, yeah. Rufinetto Dora is not a good defender. No, no. not at all. And, and, and maybe he used to be, and maybe he can, and he still can give you that flashy play every now and again. It's weird that he's 28 years old. Like, he feels like he's been in the league for 15 years. Yeah, he's yeah. He's 28 years old. Yeah. And his career's over, in right. my opinion. I don't oh, think yeah, there's I, a role for him anywhere. And the fact that they're still, as well as the Orioles have been playing, and the fact that Rufinetto Dora still has a role on this team, it, like, it blows my mind. And now what really blows my mind is the handling of Adley Rutschman. And let's let's get into this yeah, a little yeah. bit here. Because Dan Connolly, and look, this is nothing against Dan. I love Dan. Dan's, Dan and I have known each other for a long time. Yep. And he's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He's doing his job. 
with the article that he wrote in The Athletic the other day. Now, he wrote, I wouldn't bet money that Adley Rutschman is going to debut on Monday Mm -hmm. because they want him to catch five times in a week, catch back-to-back games, um, and they want to make sure that that arm is fully healthy. And maybe to a lesser extent, they wanted to put up better offensive numbers. And you even allude to the fact that, look, he hit 312 in 43 games yeah. at Norfolk last year. I look at it, and I'm like, look, he's, played for, he's been playing for three weeks. Right. All right, he's been playing for three weeks. These other guys got three weeks of spring training games. He's good to go. Three hits the last two games, including his first home run of the year. He's hitting 347 in the, in the three weeks that he's been on this rehab assignment. Right. Your catchers are batting 140 and right. 141 with one home run and what, like five RBIs? Right. So, look, I get it. You don't rush a prospect. Rush. You don't rush a prospect. <laughs> you don't rush, <laughs> you don't rush a prospect. <laughs> Let's go. Um, because you have some players that are playing poorly. Yeah. But this isn't rushing him. I was going to say, let me make this exceptionally clear. They have not rushed Adley Rutschman in one sense of exactly. anything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so. Uh, Dan Conley, as much as I respect him and I know he's just doing his job and this is nothing against him, the arguments for why Red Rutschman should should stay down there are falling on deaf ears. There, there's it's, there's no arguments to be made. It's it's time. It's time. It's time. And the fact that you haven't announced it yet is mind blowing to me. I, I'm going to talk about that and sounding off he, a little he's, bit. He's not. He's not debuting in three weeks. He's right. debuting this week. Right. I, I would put my I would put my life savings, which is all about thirty seven cents in a Whopper from Burger King. <laughs> um, I, I, but I would put my life savings on the fact that Rutschman's going to debut this week. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And if he's going to debut Friday, why not debut on Monday and have that playoff atmosphere against the freaking New York Yankees? I I can't tell you how annoyed it makes me that your catchers are batting one forty. But you continue to, and, and I get it. You know, you, you don't want to re-injure Rutschman, and there's so much risk there. I, I, I guess there is. I don't know how serious tricep injuries are. I've never really seen that with catchers, and I, I don't really know the back, so I'm he, not a he doctor. Did, he didn't tear I, it or anything like right. that. He strained it. Yeah, it doesn't seem that bad to me. It never really did. And the fact that he was out way longer than they projected initially anyway tells me that this is time. S- just Bring him up. Stop it. Right? Like mm-hmm. this is we've been waiting for this since 2019. And, and and not just not just the fact he's been playing for three weeks and he's seen 347 in right. those three weeks. He was playing in extended spring training. Right. So and for anyone who says he's not playing well at Norfolk, he's played six games, guys. Like it's it's six games. It's twenty at bats. That's yeah. I mean, that's a tiny sample size. I mean like, it's, it's seven games now. He, he after hit, last night. And, oh, and, you're correct. And the, he's, he's, baseball reference doesn't update. He's uh, this, it's got to be updated by now. I think they do it at like twelve o'clock every day. But I could um, But he, um, he's he's caught back to back games. Right. Have him catch again today. Yes. Announce after the game that he's debuting on Monday. Give him tomorrow off, and let's get this thing going. Right. L- right. L- like what are we? This is the number one overall prospect in the draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. The number one overall. I mean, number one overall prospect in baseball. Yeah. Some people think other guys have passed him, but he's been for a while now. Number sure. one prospect in baseball. Number one and number two. Bobby Witt Jr., who was drafted to pick after him, is in the major leagues right now. Right. Adam Vaughn, who was drafted two picks after him, has been in the major leagues now. This is his second season. Spencer Torkelson, who was number one overall pick in the draft in 2020, is in the big leagues right. right now. Now, look, all those guys are struggling. Yeah. I get that. But there's no reason that Adley Rutschman shouldn't be here right now. No, no. And... And if he struggles, it's still going to be better than 140. I'm yeah. going to tell you that right now. If he now. struggles, <laughs> if he's hitting 210... 
it's 70 points higher right. than what you're getting from your catchers right now. Not only that, uh, there was a stat I saw post on Twitter the other day from Baseball Savant where it was like the catching the uh, defensive runs saved but also had something to do with framing and had Robinson Torino's ranked as the worst framer in baseball. So that's another, you know, even if Rutschman doesn't hit right off the bat, the guy's a great defender. We know that he's most likely going to win a gold glove at some point in his career because the guy can, you know, he can receive, he can block, he can do it all behind the plate. Even if Adley Rutschman is hitting 230 and playing great defense, that's way better than what the Orioles it's have almost now. Almost a hundred points higher than what right. you're getting right, <laughs> right. now. Right. I mean, and and I don't expect Rutschman to hit better than that. I think you know, out of the first two, maybe two months, I think I'll probably hit like two thirty, two forty. Adley Rutschman's one of those guys, man, that he's gonna homer in his first game. He probably will, or he's gonna double yeah. to the gap mm-hmm. in a big situation. He's one of those guys, and, and, and look. He has done nothing to prove that he's going to be a star at the big league level. Not except yet. to the fact that he's proven to be a star at the minor league level. Yeah. And everybody that sees him play raves about him on both sides of the field. Mm-hmm. Right? So, the, the, he's going to be one of those guys who, in his first game, is going to get a big hit. I'm sure he will. You yeah. know? And uh, I, I'd put money on that, too. That he's going to double, or he's going to homer, Probably. or he's going to have a two-hit game in his first game. I have no doubts about that with Adley Rutschman. The time is now. It is. Get him here. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing, and we talked about this on Glenn Clark Radio all week. Even if he's not playing on Monday, if he's not debuting on Monday, mm-hmm. even if that's the case, let us know. Right. Because people have been talking about May 16th for three freaking weeks. Right. You know what we're talking about. Yeah. Now, look, if you're... And we talked about this. If you're not telling people because you want to sell as many tickets for Monday and then not have him play, right. and then say he's going to debut on Friday so you get to sell even more tickets, that's shysty. Yeah. That's shysty, and it goes to show everything that people have been saying about the Orioles. Yeah. One, some announcement about Adley Rutschman, one way or the other, yeah. needs to have been made by now. It's Saturday. People are expecting the debut in two days. Something needs to have been said by now. I agree. Um, I was going to talk about it. My sounding off. I'm going to change what, what, that and what, talk about it r- real quick right now. Um, what, 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 why? Well, because you already just that. That's it. I, I mean, well, that's, I, what, I, I, that's I, what I was going to talk I about told, to a pretty I, good extent. I told you that we but, were going to do this. Yeah, I know. And you, and you said you're going to talk about I'll the marketing. You can still sound off about marketing. Well, I think you just covered it. That the Orioles. This is kind of the 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 way people have felt about them, and you know, you, you use the word shysty, and I think that's maybe what the people's perception of them might be in you know in a few days if Rutschman's debut hasn't been announced. They they got to announce this. They got to announce. They got to let people know. I One way or the other, they got to let people know. And there are a lot of pa- fans that are going to buy tickets immediately the minute you announce it. So why aren't you doing it? You're missing out on a massive financial opportunity here. Why not? Like what? What do you what do you have to lose at this point? You know the Orioles know. Yeah, I guarantee you they know. They've picked the date. They probably picked it two weeks ago. I mean, they they know. Like it's this is not some big secret. Like oh, let's see where Rutschman is. Rutschman's twenty four years old. He hit what three seventeen in Norfolk last year. He said three twelve. Three twelve. The guy's ready to go. He, he got has better for, when he got to Norfolk. I I almost guarantee you this. If Rutschman had come up in the majors right after he was drafted, like say he had no time in the minors, I bet Rutschman easily could have held his own, especially as a defender. There there were there were people who were saying in 2020 mm-hmm. that Adley Rutschman should have been the Orioles' opening day catcher. He probably should have been, but we know how service time works and the manipulation of that. And whether the Orioles did it intentionally or not, I'm not going to comment on that, but I just will say that you know he's 24 years old, 
and that's getting somewhat up there for a guy who was drafted number one overall. You know, a lot of these number one overall picks, like Torkelson, uh, make their debuts much earlier. And that, to me, is is just, that's where the frustrating part is with the Orioles and, and, and why uh, Rutschman isn't in the big leagues yet. I get it. It's because of the injury. But now's the time. This is the week. Let's announce it. Let's get this over with. Like, it's it just, it's time. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you're, you're watching him, um, yeah, go ahead. You're watching him struggle the last, this this past week in Norfolk. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, you got to go out and do something tonight. You got to go out and do something tonight to prove that you're ready. What does he do? He goes out there. He goes two for four. Gets a bases loaded walk in the ninth inning to kind of be like, guys, I I, I belong there. Now look, he, he didn't go two for four with a double on a home run and three RBIs, but two for four. The, when was the last time Torinos or Ben Boom went two for four and was and were on base three times, scored a couple of runs and an RBI? It 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 just it hasn't happened because they're not any good. And, and look, I I I knew what we were getting with Robinson Torinos. We knew it. Right, we knew that this was a guy who was past his prime, who was going to come in and, and handle a pitch. And the pitching staff has been good they with have. him. Um, Statistically, but, uh, but, though, he's but, the worst framer in baseball. We, we, yeah, but I don't really give a crap about framing anymore. Like, right. I, like because, well, because uh, it's a big part of receiving, though. It, it is. But I, how long is it going to be? Because they're going to go to robot arms at some point. He passes the eye test for me, I'll right? Say but, that. but he's he's better than anything we've had in three or four years here. Agreed. Right. And so I knew what we were getting in Robinson Chirinos. I didn't expect him to be one forty bad. I expected maybe to hit two ten. But 140 and Ben Boom, I mean, that's kind of what you expected from him. I, I didn't even expect Ben Boom to hit 140. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's so a surprise it's, for me. It, it, what are we waiting for? With that in mind, right. let's grab Stan. He's on the line with us. Good morning, Stan. How are you today? Good, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We're talking about Adley Rutschman. And Stan, uh, from, where, from my standpoint, what are we waiting for? It's time to get this guy here. Uh, well, I'm sure we're going to see him pretty soon. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this week or or next week. You know, I think in the next two weeks we'll see him. You know, most likely it'll be sometime, I think, during this homestand. Yeah, up. I would imagine it would be, but they go on the road the week after this one. So I, I can't imagine they well, would be Well, that's generally on the road. what you do in the schedule. You are home for, you know, six or nine games, and then you go on the road for six or nine well, games. Yeah, we, we know that, yeah. Stan. But uh, yeah. why, but the, you said you, you expect to see him in the next two weeks. I expect to see him this week. Otherwise, you're waiting three weeks till they get home again because they're not debuting him on the road. They're not debuting him where? On the road. They're going to do it. They're going to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, it home. doesn't make much sense to debut him on the road, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get that exercised about him. They've got this. They've got this plan that they want him to be able to play back-to-back games catching, you know. And that seems like a, it seems like a, you know, it might seem ridiculous to us, but uh, it seems like a, a fairly uh, low bar that he needs to reach before they're willing to bring him to the majors. Well, and he has called back-to-back games. He called last night and he called the day before in the afternoon game. Okay, then he's getting real close. Yeah, I would I would expect to see him catch again. My, my theory, Stan, is that he should catch again today and then they give him the day off tomorrow and announce when he's debuting. At, at this point, Stan, my, my, I guess my whole point with the whole thing is even, even if he's not debuting on Monday, that's fine. But people have been talking about Monday as the date for three weeks now. And the Orioles know this. And... At, at some point, I feel like they need to tell the fan base one way or the other, hey, he's coming up this week, but it's not going to be Monday. Or, hey, he's coming up this week, and it's going to be Monday. Either way, I feel like they owe that to their fan base. 
I, you know, I I don't think that's of any great consequence one way or the other. They haven't they haven't looked like they're that worried about the fans in terms of uh, the product they've put out there. They're just they have a game plan, and that's what they're uh, you know adhering to. Stan, since you often uh, participate in the press conferences with Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde and some uh, some of the, the bigger guys there, um, I did hear a rumor that Michael Elias had a press conference coming up. Do you know when that is? And do you think that you know he could implicate? I haven't heard anything okay. about it. Okay, gotcha. but but it would not surprise me if if it's if it's in the next day or two, and it's right. about exactly what what you guys are talking about right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I heard yeah. that next I just day haven't heard anything. I haven't been that close to the vine this year. Gotcha. You know? Okay. All right, well, you know, it, it, despite not having Adley Rutschman on the roster, Stan, the Orioles have been playing some solid baseball. They've won or split four straight series for the first uh, for the first time since 2017. Uh, now, look, they, they've got some injuries. Mount Castle, Arias, um, and uh, Austin Hayes were not in the lineup last night. Mountcastle was the only one on the IL, um, and that was that was obvious based on how they performed with runners on base and how and only scoring two runs last night. But are we right to be enthused about this team right now? I mean, fourteen and nineteen is not a great record, but when you look at the way they've been playing and how they got to that fourteen and nine record after starting one and five this year, uh, they're playing some solid baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, again, I I don't think this year is about measuring wins and losses, you know, I don't expect all of a sudden them to dr- jump from what they win 55 games last year, 52, 52 games last year. I didn't expect them to jump to 75 wins this year. No, of course not. But whatever the number is, isn't isn't the quality of baseball we're seeing significantly better and oh, yeah. more interesting and more entertaining Absolutely. than what we've seen the last couple of years? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the 2020 was a little bit of a fluke. They played fairly solid baseball, you know, but mm-hmm. that wasn't. That's why you play 162 games is to show what you're really made of, and they weren't made of much that year because they came back last year yeah. with a thud. Um, they're playing a lot better baseball, and I, I, I credit the pitching mostly, but you know, they're, they're starting to be, you know, some some light at the end of the tunnel you know it's just really unfortunate that they've got hit with this little spate of injuries right now and the one that's most frustrating is Hayes I don't know what in the world he was thinking about diving at first in the first base that was idiotic yeah and 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 that's the thing and I look at it like I look at and he's not the same player but I look at it like I look at Bryce Harper at the beginning of his career, where he's playing on a team where like he he's he's one of the top guys and he wants to play gritty and he wants to play hard and yeah. and help yep. do anything he can to help his team win. Yeah. And then like like you saw him run face first into a wall, yeah. and you saw yep. him smack his bat on the wall and it bounces back and hits him in the face and gives him a black eye. And you realize there's a time and place for that kind of intensity, and it's not when you have no shot getting into first base safely, even right. on a slide. And this is one of those things where maybe Austin Hayes is going to kind of learn a little bit. Hopefully, it's one of those things where he's going to kind of learn a little bit that, like, there's a time and place, and that ain't it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, you you do want your player hustling all yeah. out, but that that idea that somehow diving hand first in the first base when when you know that the pitcher is going to be covering it, it was mm-hmm. like it was like as as soon as I saw him horizontal to the ground. It's, yeah, I said, oh my God, what is he doing? Yeah, and, and we've seen him. 
he, he missed out on the 2018 season because in spring training, he slid headfirst into second base and broke his thumb. Right. You know, yep. we, we, we've seen yep. this before, and you can you can break your thumb, you can separate your shoulder, sure. you can get your hand stepped yep. on, which was the yep. case. There's virtually nothing good that happens when a guy dives in the first base. And it's yep. been statistically proven that you're faster yep. running through the base than you are diving for it. Yep. Uh, and I get it, but... He needs to know when and where to do that. And look, he he, yeah. he, he stayed in the game, and he came. Part of that, look, run. part of that is the learning process, and yeah. I'm sure the next time, you know, he has certain instincts that are hard to break. Uh, you know, instincts, right? But but I'm sure that the pain he's going through now uh, of missing time and hurting his ball club, you hope that that just settles into his head. And the next time he won't do something so foolish. Especially, I, I don't know. I hate to so call well. it stupid because Austin Hayes isn't a stupid guy. No, he's not. It's it, just foolish. Yeah, it's foolish. It, it is, and he and he would probably acknowledge that too. Especially yeah. when he's been the key cog in this offense the last three weeks, and he yeah. knows his team needs him. And it was yeah. never more evident than last night when they go one for twelve runners in scoring position and leave fourteen right. guys on base. Never more yeah. evident. Well. It, you know, they ended up, they've lost three right-handed bats over the course of like three or four days, you know, yeah. for, and nothing. Look, the I, I don't even know what the Urias injury is, pain, but it's, it's the same one we've talked about that when we say he's not durable enough. You know, he mm-hmm. just is not a guy that's ever going to play more than, say, 70, 80 games in a season, tops. Right, and and you look at yeah. these players, and you look at how they factor in. And Ramona Rios, as much as we do like his bat, and he's hitting to some bad luck this year, he's got to stay on the field, and he hasn't. Yeah. And, and, and until he can prove that, he doesn't look like a piece for this team moving forward. Now, somebody yeah. who does look like a piece for this team moving forward is Jorge it's the Mateo. Jorge it's Mateo. The yeah. He is he is turning some heads, man. He, he I think he's tied for the major league lead with ten stolen bases. He seems to be getting on base and doing things with his legs. His defense looks like it's getting better every day. Is he? putting himself in position to factor into the future of this ball club. There's no question about it. You know, there's no question about it. And he's putting, first of all, he's putting himself and his family in a lot better position Mm -hmm. to be an earner. uh, And whether or not he's surpassed in the next year or two by uh, a Gunnar Henderson or somebody, you know, some combination of infielders that they think are better it doesn't matter because what he's doing is also enhancing his value. And that's something that a ball club can always use when it's trying to get better is use something of value to get something you need. It surprises me. I'm looking at the numbers of Mateo, and his OPS is only 660. But right. he has 10 stolen bases, uh, which is double what he had in the exact amount of games last year with mm-hmm. Baltimore. He had 32 games, 5, 32 games, and 10. And he had only 10 in 89 games total with the San Diego Padres. So, do you think the Orioles... Zach, what's, un- his, Zach, what's his on-base percentage? His on-base percentage is 282, so not great. But that okay. I, I think we know Mateo is kind of one of those typical yeah. guys who's going to strike out a lot and walk yeah. a little bit less. But yeah. does it surprise you that... You know, the stolen bases are up by double. Um, do you think the Orioles maybe found something with his, you know, his movements on the base paths or, or helped him out with his instincts? Or is there anything they could have done coaching-wise to, to be able to double that? Because obviously the raw speed was there, there but maybe he didn't I have think the... it's I think it's just a little bit more that he's out there all the time and, and he Fair. is somehow... That 282 is surprising to me. I thought it was a good bit better than that, you know, the, the on-base percentage. But I think it's just... 
his comfortability mm-hmm. with playing in an everyday role. You know, he's just getting into his game. You know, he's, hey. an, he's an exciting player, and I have to admit, about three weeks ago, I threw up my hands at one point in time, and I said, I've seen enough of this guy defensively. You know, I, I thought he was sloppy. He wasn't getting in front of balls. And I have to admit, since then, he has sort of not missed a beat, if you will, uh, and is playing a, a really nice quality shortstop. His defensive you know. war is .7 right now, so he's definitely yeah. been on the, on the positive side. Yeah, and that was a, my big thing with him. Is I, I said at the beginning of the year, I didn't want him playing shortstop because I didn't trust his defense. But the, like I right. said earlier, the defense has gotten better every game out there. Now, how much of that is on the analytics department on the coaching, them coaching him up and making sure, like hitting him – 300 ground balls in practice. How much of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're working working his tail off. You know, it, 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 it definitely rings of comfortability that he knows he's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. He's not nervous. And, and I'm sure they're working, working him hard. He looks, he just looks like he's much better prepared than he has been at any other time in his career up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, now, now Stan, I want to talk a little bit about Thursday's game, the game that the Orioles won 3-2. to two. They were shorthanded. They had one guy on the bench, and that was Robinson Chirinos. They didn't have a starter for the game, so it was a bullpen game. And they go out yeah. there, and they win a ball game 3-2. to two. Now, look, these things are um, subjective here, but where do, what do, we, where do you rank that game uh, as far as Orioles' best games of the season, considering what they were up against and what they had to do to get through that game? I'm not a real big ranker, right? No, um, I get that. Paul, I'm just, I'm just not. I don't sit there and go, "Geez, let me think." Is that the third best game? <laughs> right. It was a game that you fully expected them to lose. To lose, you know. I mean, the game against Miles Mikolos, I and you know, was he the one matched up with Spencer Watkins? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a matchup that that was almost like a a lock, you know, the other yeah. way for yeah. for St. Louis to win that game. And it played out that way. And and Thursday, when you hear it's going to be a bullpen day, you go, well, this, this, this can't end real well. And it was a gritty, gutty performance, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, to me, one of the, the strangest things, and and I don't know what my, we're, we're questioning Michael Elias and the, the timing of when they're going to bring up Adley Rutschman. I, I keep going back to the manager, and I'm wondering exactly – what Brandon Hyde has to do to earn a two-year extension? Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 and and at what time you would give that to him? Are you making him go through some sort of uh, you know gauntlet that uh, you know that he has to worry about his uh, future? Uh, I don't understand what they think they're they're going to get that could do better with what they've given uh, him. And, and I also think it's just a, it's sort of a rotten thing if the team were to get better and they just turn it over to somebody who might have a little bit bigger name and cachet. No, I, I, I totally get that. And Stan, to, to answer your question, um, even though I think it was more of a rhetor- rhetorical thing, um, yeah. I, I think that Brandon Hyde, maybe you offer him that extension if the Orioles' gritty play and their competitive play is an extended period. If they're still do, playing like this in June, July, into August, then I think you look at it and say, we got to keep this guy here and see what he can do when we, when we get the rest of this talent mm-hmm. up here. Uh, because, look, the Orioles started 2020 uh, 12-8. and 8. 
at one point they were they were 14 and 18, just like they were this year. They started last year uh, 15 and 16. So this is they've had similar starts. You've got to continue to play this well and not have this be because they were 15 and 16 at one point last year, and then they lost 14. Yeah, they were 15 games. and 16 after the means uh, perfect, you know, near perfect game out in Seattle. Right, and and then they went yeah. out there and basically immediately started. The yeah, but they lost. They lost means. They, you know, they had Trey Mancini the second half of the year was running on fumes. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot. They'll, they'll pull players from him, you know, and trade them like Freddie Galvis. You know, that needs to all be taken into account, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely does. But you can't negate the fact that the Orioles had. I mean, do you, the bottom line, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not being as rhetorical with Mike Elias. Uh, I'm asking you guys, do you think they can find a better manager for what they are right now and what they hope to be. Stan, that's a really tough question to answer because to this point, you haven't really had much to evaluate uh, um, Brandon Hyde with. Now, do I think they're a better manager? But you've kind of known that all along. Right. The game plan was not like, hey, Mike Elias has got to win 80 games a year the next four years to earn an extension. You know, it's it's Uh, been – it's been – Two steps forward, three steps back when you trade in Iglesias. You know, it's two steps forward, one step, you know, when you trade away other people. You know, it's, um, uh, I, I think the guy warrants at this point in time a two, I'm not saying a five year extension. A two year extension to me would seem perfectly the right thing to do to me. I'll always say I've been under the impression that the manager on a losing team like this basically has very little influence on the win-loss record. That's kind of where I've always thought. And obviously managers like Buck Showalter can come in and turn a team like the Mets around and take them from a good team Way more talent to... There. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. They can take them from a yeah. good team to a potential World Series team. But I think mm-hmm. taking a team like the Orioles from a basement team to a moderately decent team is really something that I think a lot of people could do because I think it's more about what the the GM does, putting the right guys on the field than what the mm-hmm. manager actually has as far as influence goes. So I, I think if you put another guy in Brandon Hyde's scenario, uh, you know, uh, situation, then he might do about what Brandon Hyde has. I'm not sure that there would be a massive difference there, but I, I, I don't necessarily support you know getting good and then immediately throwing him out the door. I do agree yeah. with you there. Well, uh, I think you're getting you're getting closer to that decision time. Yeah, you know? I, I think, and I, I think, think that's a I think that's a reasonable discussion to have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and to me, actually, a little more important than whether. Adley Rutschman starts Monday or Friday or, you know, it sort of says what what you're about, you know. Yeah, so. I, I think we'll have our answer to that question the second half of this year. I really do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. W- we'll see when they have more talent up here. Now, Stan, you mentioned um, Spencer Watkins in that in that middle game of the series and <clears throat> the fielding independent pitching. He had a three two two ERA going into that uh, game, but his f- fielding independent pitching was – 556. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of saw the writing. Again, we talk about reading the tea leaves here. And when you read the tea leaves, you saw a start before that. And he got helped out by some stellar defense. Otherwise, that game would not have turned out as well for him. And I, and like you said, this was almost a lock. I saw this kind of a start coming from him. He seems to me to be the most susceptible pitcher in the rotation. Are his days numbered? Because I don't think the peripherals look good for him. Well, he's he's been 
pretty much, you know, when you have a guy who has an earned run average in 2021 of over eight runs a game, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you don't get real greedy and expect him to come in and, and sustain what he's been doing up to this point. You know, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a place saver to me. You know, well, this happened last year too. Watkins came out yeah. and his, his first yeah, start he came out good. And Fairly well the first couple. Right, there were there were about three or four starts where Watkins was was pretty serviceable, and then he the wheels fell off. And I think you're seeing the exact yeah. same thing happen. And I don't know whether it's it's teams getting in the film room against him, or maybe just finding out a pitch that's maybe a little bit easier to barrel than another one, and that's possibly what's happening here. But it's yeah, I mean, I, listen, it's it's made a, an interesting story that he went to a performance center, you know, and it was able to pick up two three miles an hour on his fastball, mm-hmm. uh, but really was that. Was that success sustainable? You know, no. I don't know. And, and maybe he ends up being one of those guys that you can deploy out of the bullpen for an inning or two that can get through a couple of hitters um, successfully. That that remains to be seen. Now, Stan Kyle Bradish, his last start was a revelation. Six, seven innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, zero walks, which is an important number, and eleven strikeouts for the Cardinals. And I'll tell you, Stan, as as impressive as he was in that game, the most impressive thing I saw from him was that sixth inning where he gets ahead of Yadier Molina 0-2 and he leaves the ball in the middle of the plate. He gets whacked for a double. Then the next mm-hmm. batter, Harrison Bader, he gets ahead of him 0-2, leaves a hanging breaking ball in the middle of the plate. It gets whacked for an inside the park home run, and right. then he's what does he do? He goes out and strikes out the side. One, two, three. Right after that, showed a lot of fire, a lot of poise out there to me. When was the last time that you can remember seeing a rookie pitcher be that good that that quickly? Um, the only one that really comes to mind because it's not like you know the Orioles have had a ton of pitching that was really impressive over any length of time. I did a quick. Uh, look back at Mike Mussino's first yeah. three starts. And he started against the Chicago White Sox on August 4th, 1991. And he pitched seven and two-thirds inning and gave up one run and struck out only one batter, walked four, and gave up a home run. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was to Frank Thomas uh, that tied the oh. game, and then he was out of the game. Oh, Frank Thomas next, made a living his, off Mike Mussino. Yeah, he, he did early Early on. He owned Mucina early on. Uh, then he came back five days later and had sort of the performance that Bradish had against the Twins. Three and a third innings, 11 hits, five runs. And then his third start, it was eight innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, and ten strikeouts. Um, that that kind of sort of, the, you know, First guy that came to my mind was Musina, and it's kind of interesting. And I would say that Bradish has pitched better than Musina did in his first three starts. Yeah, overall, I, it's been it's been something to look at. And then when you look at you know the potential of Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall, and then what Tyler Wells done, we'll talk about Tyler Hel- Wells here in a second. Uh, it, it, it gets the juices flowing. It gets you excited to see what this guy can do for the rest of the season and uh, for this team moving forward. And I want to, I do want to talk about Tyler Wells because Stan, we talked about how it's kind of going to be his role all year, where they want to limit his innings and make him kind of a piggyback starter. But his last three starts, he's gone five innings or more. He hasn't walked a batter, and I think five consecutive outings. Uh, this guy is looking like—I don't want to say the real deal. I think it's too early for that, but he's looking like a legitimate piece at this point. Yeah, he certainly is. Certainly is, and uh, there's no question. You know, I I pontificate on a lot of things on a lot of shows, 
and write about about it. Uh, but I was dead wrong on Tyler Wells. You know, I I really wanted them to keep Zach Pop. Um, and I forget who did they they picked up two pitchers Mag- last Max year. Seroller. Oof. Right. Max Seroller. So so one of them I was right about. I was still rather had Zach Pop in the organization, but. Um, Tyler Wells has clearly been a great find by by Mike Elias and his team. Uh, that was a guy that they knew something about, and they sort of envisioned what he could become. And I'm sure he surpassed even what they thought. You know, yeah, he he's been nothing short of uh, excellent out there. Well, to, what's for, interesting for... is last year. You know, it's funny. Because we all assume this year, well, we got our closer of the future with Tyler Wells. You know, it fit perfectly. They had a hole in they had a hole in their in their bullpen, and Tyler fit it, and it fit perfectly with what they wanted to do, where they could control his innings. And it, uh, I have to give them a lot of credit for sort of not getting caught in that trap of saying, "Well, we've got that hole fixed." You know, and they clearly had some some sights set on what Jorge Lopez could be in this role. You know, yeah, and that's been so. They've done a, a real interesting job at manipulating what they have there. You know? and, and, and Stan, I, like with with Tyler Wells, his innings limit, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's got to be more of a pitch limit than because his efficiency, and he's been damn efficient the last. Yeah, five I times. agree with you. It is a and and that's where if he's as efficient on his pitch counts. He'll pitch more innings. That's, yeah. you know. And the coolest thing about him, look, no pitcher, no pitcher likes to walk guys. But he came out and he said, I hate walking guys, so he just stopped doing it. He, just, right. he hasn't walked a guy since April 16th. It's, right. it's, been, it's been a month since it's, it's absolutely fantastic. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, then, and one other name, not to the starting rotation, but were any of us talking about, Zach, you, you follow the minors pretty well. Was this Felix Bautista really on our radar at all? He was on mine. So I, I saw Bautista when I when I used to work for the Ironbirds back like four years ago, maybe. I think it was 20, right. uh, 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Um, I was watching a game, and Bautista came in. I didn't know the name at all. The guy comes up there. He hit the first pitch. It's 99 on the gun. I was like, right. that guy's going to be in the yeah. big leagues one day if <laughs> right. he's doing that. Right. Yeah, we, we saw him touching 100 a lot of times yeah. last year in the minors, and I was like, this guy's a future closer mm-hmm. for the, for this team. If he can, Where did he pitch last year? Was he at Bowie? He, he started Bowie and made his Norfolk, way up to Norfolk. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Actually, okay. I think he pitched at three levels last year. I think he started yeah. at high and then went to Bowie, then went to Norfolk. Well, he sort of, I, I, he was never on my radar as a guy to watch. Well, you know, the, I, the big issue with him was his command. Can he consistently yeah. throw strikes? And to this point, yeah. he has. He's been a dominant, yeah. uh, to the point where the national media is talking about him. Yeah. He's, been, yeah. he's been fantastic. Now, Stan, well, when, you have a hundred, when you have 100, 101, and then you're able to snap off off-speed stuff the way he can yeah, and command it, it, the hitter's helpless, you know. When he's only seeing a guy like that once in a game, you know. And it goes back to the pitching coaches and the analytics up and down this organization. They're all on the same yeah. page, and it's showing at the big league level. Now, Stan, yeah. before we let you go, I do want to talk yeah. briefly about your power rankings. You've got the Yankees at the top, followed by the Mets, the Dodgers, the Astros. I know you got a new one coming out on um, on Monday. 
The Astros ride an 11-game winning streak. The Yankees have been playing solid baseball basically all year. Since they lost that series to the Orioles, they really turned it on. Uh, are your power rankings, not to give anything away, but are they going to stay basically the same? What are you seeing from these teams? That, uh, well, I, I think the, the Mets have sort of stumbled uh, a little bit of late. You know, I mean, they're not playing bad baseball, but they've lost the last two times. Scherzer's been on the hill. Uh, the Dodgers now have an, an IL situation with Clayton Kershaw and they're in the midst of a one-in-four week. So the Yankees will be number one, and I may as well tell you, I mean, Houston's going to move up to number two. Yeah, they're, they're and, playing lights out. And San Francisco, which were my number one team the first two two or three weeks of the year, they slid to number eight last week, and they're 4-0 and this week. So look for them to make a little bit of a bounce back. Oh, but I'll tell you, one of the most interesting teams, though, is the Cincinnati Reds. I, I don't know what happened. They've been sunk, you know, at the bottom of the barrel at 30 for me, and now they've won four out of five games or five out of seven, something like that. Six they're out doing of eight. Exceedingly well. Yeah. yeah, they were three and 22, and now they're nine and 24. Like, how does that yeah. happen? But all right, Stan, always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. Have right, a great bye. weekend. I gotta go, guys. I'm sorry. Bye. Right. See ya. That was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with legendary former Orioles catcher Rick Dempsey. While Stan and Gary chat up with Towson football coach Rob Ambrose. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. On Monday... Of course, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross chat with Bowie Baysox assistant GM Phil Rye and broadcaster Adam Pohl. That and more from Stan the Fan this week. Zach, you have a new sounding off segment uh, because we kind of stole your thunder, which I, I kind of figured we were going to do. All good. No, um, I need to get turned up a little bit here. All good. You're, no, you're okay. no worries at all. Um, you actually R- might be a little high now. Rob, Rob Manfred made a questionable statement this week. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't. But he said on May 10th, he said that the league wants to find more consistency for baseballs and that we need to find more consistency. And my my initial reaction to this, before I even read the article, was MLB makes the baseballs. Like, they get to control. Why aren't, why isn't MLB getting to control what goes into these baseballs? Right. Like, they make, the, these are their decisions, right? He's a blowhard, like, He's saying, we need more consistency in the baseballs. That is your job. <laughs> like, that is legitimately your job to control. So he goes on to say that, Oh yeah, so we, we want pitchers to be able to have more grip on the baseball, and we want um, we want pitchers to be able to use the baseball like they were almost using you know those sticky substances. He didn't name spider tack, but he said sticky substances, implying it. He said, oh, we want we want baseballs to turn into you know easier to throw and and higher spin for pitchers and all this stuff. And then he's saying that oh yeah, last year we deadened the ball, all this stuff, and I'm going, then just. Make it more lively. Then he's complaining so much in here about the, there's not enough offense and that offense is not you know happening this year. But then he's also saying on the other side that oh we're trying to make the ball better for pitchers and it's just like it's it's a big you know basically cluster of opinions and ideas in this article by CBS Sports here by the way uh, by Matt Snyder where Rob Manfred is saying all these different things about the baseball and I'm just thinking the whole time you control it. 
Make the ball more lively. Get baseball back to where it was offensively and where it should be offensively. Clearly what you did last year didn't really work. And then don't say that you, you're the one controlling it, right? Like, this is your, this is all you, Rob. Like, don't, you shouldn't be complaining to the national media about how the ball is affecting what's happening in the game this year. How about use those baseballs that the Mets claim you were using on Sunday Night Baseball? Right, exactly. You know, like... Look, the high offense baseball. Look, every time I don't want to hear him blame other people. For every this. time <laughs> Rob Manfred talks, mm. all I think is, "This guy is such a jackass." <laughs> he just is. He's a blowhard. Hey, he's, he's a not, jackass. He's he's, he, he's a mouthpiece. Right. He's clueless. He is absolutely yeah. clueless yeah. to to the the game of baseball. Yeah. And like like you said. You control what balls get made and what balls get used. Right, exactly. And pitchers are complaining they, they, they these balls are slicker than ever. They don't. Right. They can't get a grip on them. And his quote was to, in response to that: "We do. We do want to give pitchers a ball with better grip. Again, more consistent without providing. Let me use the phrase performance enhancement associated with the crazy sticky stuff. What does that even mean? Hey, I, I, <laughs> dude, I play baseball and we use official size, official league right. size baseballs right. every Sunday. Right. And I have no problem gripping the baseball. No. I, I have no problem driving a baseball. Had, I've never ever had trouble gripping a so baseball. So just go back to a normal ass baseball. Right. Like and, and we don't we don't need one that has a that has a, a, a super ball right. uh, core. And we don't need one that has, you know, I don't know, a golf ball and we don't in the need, middle of we it. We don't need these conflicting statements from Manfred about what you know, offense versus pitching and all this stuff. Just make the baseball the way it was years ago where nobody had a problem with it. And then we'd just be fine. Is it, stop deadening it. Stop making it more lively. Just go back to what it was originally. It's it's just a baseball, right? Like, you don't have to toy with it a million times. And then you're saying, we do want to give pitchers a better ball. Well, you're controlling it. Like, the, 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 my whole point here is that they're making these decisions, yet clearly they're not. And it makes no sense to me at all. That, we, this we whole use, article is we wild. We use um, Cal Ripken League baseballs okay. in the league that I play, and they're official size. Go check them out. See how they make their baseballs and make yours the same. Right. He's saying basically, oh, once we get to the summer too. That's another one of those. That oh, the, the baseball is automatically going to become livelier, and I'm, and I'm like, yeah, that's to, true, to, but to a just, degree. But yeah. it's, it's based off my conversations with him, he he's very much ready for his major league uh, debut. I would say he seems mm-hmm. like somebody who's very confident that that is going to happen this year. And based off the way he was talking to me, it feels like it's going to be as a starter, or at least that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Orioles, I probably would keep him as a starter. I know that you mentioned, obviously, the innings limit that he's going to be on this year, um, coming off an elbow strain last year. Seems like he had a really healthy and productive offseason, a good ramp-up. Um, yeah, he's only thrown three innings at in AAA so far in that first start. But again, I think that's kind of holding back the reins to potentially give him more innings later in the season. He's somebody they very much project as a starting pitcher. Um, I have some questions about the command, how that's going to kind of hold. But if you think he's going to be a starter. I don't think the Orioles are necessarily one of those organizations. Like maybe the Milwaukee Brewers typically adjust their guys, bring them in uh, as relievers first. I think they probably want him where he's most comfortable in that major league debut. And if he does come up, I think it would be as a starter. It might be just five innings. It might be on a, a pitch limit. But um, you know, get him into the majors where he is most comfortable, and that's in a starting role. Uh, finally, I get somebody that agrees with me, Sam. I've been saying, <laughs> I've been saying that all along. Everybody's like, "No, he's going to be coming out of the bullpen," and I'm like, "No, just put him in the rotation. That's where he belongs." Um, but we'll see how they play things moving forward with him. Now, when you went to this game, were there any other players that you were excited to to see play for the Tides? Any players that caught your eye in this game? What did you see from the rest of the guys that maybe people aren't talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I was always 
interested to check in on Yusniel Diaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's somebody who we've been ranking in the Orioles system for quite a few years now. As everybody is aware, the clock is kind of ticking against him at this point, if it hasn't ticked against him already. Um, one for two in the game. He did walk twice. He, he pushed the envelope with two stolen bases. Uh, so it's good to see him be productive in some way. I've been down on him for a while. I just haven't seen him produce or be yeah. healthy or you know be out there long enough. Uh, you know, at the upper minors for a, quite a while now. Um, but for him to to get out to the start that he is right now is nine or an OPS above nine hundred. Um, he's batting above three hundred as well. He's giving himself a chance at the very least. I think he's a little too old at this point. He, he might be a fourth outfielder at best. But mm-hmm. if he is, you know, showing off some speed, reaching base like he has been walking like he did when I saw him the other day with two walks, it's at least encouraging, and that's at least going to get him some sort of role in Baltimore. Now, Sam, the Orioles have the number one pick in the draft this season. Uh, there's no real consensus. There's six or seven guys out there that they could legitimately make an argument to go first overall, but it seems like Drew Jones has a leg up on the competition. We had somebody on the show on Glenn Clark Radio the other day who was talking about the fact that he's really the only player in this draft that has that Juan Soto, uh, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis type of ceiling. The Orioles tend to take college bats, but would they take a guy with with such high upside like Drew Jones? Yeah, I mean, I, I will lean on uh, our draft guys for that one. And what I've talked to Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo about this draft class, they run it us there at MLB Pipeline, but in our con- my conversations with them, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about who could go number one overall, and they were always saying, well, listen, the Orioles recently have leaned on college bats, as you alluded to there, um, so it makes you immediately think of a Brooks Lee, a Jacob Berry type, you know, that seemed to be a good fit for what they've done recently, but in his most recent mock draft, Jim Callis went with Drew Jones. It- it's kind of getting to the point where, yeah, you, th- you might not Everybody agreeing on who is the top overall prospect in this class, but pretty consistently, it's it's been Drew Jones. Um, you know, he, he's a really quality defender. Not a surprise given who his father is. He's a really good hitter. Uh, the power might be above the bat. The the run is a seventy grade tool on the twenty eighty scale. Wow. All the pieces are there for him to be a major piece of the outfield. And if you believe in him that much, I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of taking the best player available to you. That's what the draft is there for. Baseball is different than football or basketball in that you're not filling holes. It's going to be a while until you see these guys. Might as well get a potential superstar if you have that first overall pick. That's no slight to to some of those college guys I mentioned before, but Drew Jones just screams that potential to be a superstar with all the five tools that he has. Uh, And, you know, based off Jim's mock, it seems like maybe the Orioles are trending that direction and giving it serious thought and moving away from that college room. Now, Sam, you're in the business. A guy like Drew Jones, he's a high school prospect, and uh, he's going to take some some seasoning once he gets to pro ball. What is the timeline on a guy like Drew Jones? We saw Bryce Harper and uh, Juan Soto make their debuts at 19 years old. Do we have a, a, a similar timeline for Drew Jones, or is this a guy who you think probably is going to take three or four years? Yeah, I would say probably three years at least. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's great. He's going to know pro ball better than most uh, draft picks in his class because of his father, and he's going to know what those lower levels are like. I know Andrew Jones has been, um, you know, he's worked with Braves prospects in the past. I remember Ronald Acuna Jr. coming up and Andrew Jones working with him. He had a pretty quick move up to through the minor leagues as well. But even then, 
you just don't see, I know Bryce Harper, like you mentioned, moved quick and Juan Soto moved quick, but Juan Soto had a couple of years on him being an international uh, signee. Right. It's going to take, at best, you're looking at Drew Jones being at single A, high A the first year, double A, triple A the second year, and really knocking on the door in that third year. That would be a quicker timeline than we're seeing a lot of guys, mm-hmm. and that would be great uh, for him, but... I, Saying he's going to make the major leagues at 19, I think, is putting uh, too heavy an expectation. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you, but you, you got to ask when you see all these other guys making those debuts that early. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about is Gunnar Henderson, who is on fire at the Double A level. He's 20 years old. He's tied for the league lead, I believe, in walks. He seems to walk twice every game. He's batting 304. He's playing really good defense. Uh, where do you? I, I, most publications, I believe your publication as well, has him as the Orioles' number three overall prospect. How good can Gunnar Henderson be? And do you expect a promotion to Triple A before too long this season? Yeah, I mean that was the funny thing about being in Norfolk. Uh, this week is talking to the folks and they were like, oh, we're so excited about the prospects that have been sent here to begin the year. Uh, the Orioles haven't always sent their top prospects to Norfolk. Everybody kept quoting Manny Machado, skipped over Norfolk, went straight from Bowie to Baltimore. Right. And I said, listen, Gunnar Henderson's coming. I mean, he's another really good prospect for them. We have him at number 62 overall. He's a power bat first. You mentioned that he's added some patience this year, which is certainly encouraging getting to double A. Uh, sometimes that's where guys can really get fooled and, and get too swing-heavy. It doesn't seem to be the case with him. Uh, what's encouraging for me is that he's splitting time between shortstop and third uh, and getting a little bit more time at third base, which I think is probably where he's going to end up. The arm mm-hmm. certainly plays there, uh, but there were some questions about, is he you know good enough to be a shortstop full, full-time? Is he too big for that position? Yes, we're seeing bigger and bigger shortstops by the day now, um, but I think he's a more comfortable fit at third base, and the fact that he's Handling that and producing at the plate is certainly encouraging. Uh, I think Norfolk is certainly well within his target uh, before maybe the end of June. We'll see how that's going to go maybe around the All-Star break. But for him to do that already, he's turning 21 in, in late June. That's that's huge. That's He's getting there before Adley Rutschman did, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, wow. uh, and, yeah, the power is certainly going to play for him. It's just what happens to that patience when he goes up against pitchers with even better command. and. Uh, Taking those two walks a game, we'll have to see. But certainly encouraging signs for Gunnar Henderson the first couple weeks of the season. And I know I said that was the last question, but if you bear with me, you can't mention Gunnar Henderson without talking about Jordan Westberg. And Jordan Westberg played at three different levels last year, had a lot of high hopes coming into this season, and maybe he would possibly debut for the Orioles in the second half of the season. Got off to a slow start there at Bowie. Uh, the bat's really been coming on the last few games for him. Uh, where do you rank him in – you don't want to compare the players, but in regards to Gunnar Henderson, and where do you think that he uh, slots as a major league player? Yeah, I mean, Jordan Westberg, I think, has a better chance to stick at shortstop. I, I think that's part of the reason why Gunnar Henderson's moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more of a run tool. Um, we had him at the 55 level on the 2080 scale. That's above average. Good arm, good fielding ability. He's going to be decent with the bat. I think expecting him to come up, flying out of the gate like Gunnar Henderson did might be a little unfair because at his best, he's just going to be average hit tool, average power. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the athleticism on the other end that really gives him that extra kick and can make him a solid major leaguer. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a a great shortstop, you know, top five shortstop in the major leagues, but he could be that solid guy you want there at short. Maybe somebody like Dansby Swanson for the Braves. Obviously that's worked out pretty well for them. I know Dan Swanson came in with a lot of hype as a top 100 prospect and a number one overall pick 
in his own right, but who he's been at the major league level is a somewhat decent hitter, a good defender, and now a good defender on a World Series winning team. Maybe the, the Orioles get to the point where they don't need Jordan Westberg to be a superstar. They just need him to be a solid player at a premium position, and he has the capability to be that. Yeah, and that that reminds me, and maybe he profiles a little bit better, but it reminds me of a guy that I accidentally sent a text to you that was meant for him, and that reminds me of Mike Bordick, uh, who was a 260-270 hitter with the Orioles. Not a ton of power, but really solid defensively, and when you had the rest of those power bats around him, he fit into that into that mold really nicely. Is that a, a favorable comp, uh, comp for Jordan Westberg? I, I, it could be fair. I'm, I'm not, I know I dropped Dancy Swanson there for a second. I'm not always great on just because every player is different and right. want to kind of keep them in, in their own box. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's very somebody who, again, can be somebody that Orioles fans are going to know and root for for a long time and, and be solid there, but isn't necessarily going to break through to the national stage and be that superstar. I think that's basically where we're at right now with Jordan Westbrook. Right. Sam, this has been great. We have Sam Dykstra from um, uh, MLBPipeline.com. Uh, what can we plug for you before we let you go today? Yeah, I mean, just keep an eye out on MLB.com slash Pipeline. We we did the MLB Pipeline game of the month this week. Uh, in Norfolk, we're going to have some, some more stories coming out of that. I, I did a Q&A with Adley Rutschman. Um, we're going to be typing that up. So That's on the site. That's also on our Instagram channel right now. Uh, you can view that. I did a pitching tutorial with DL Hall that will be coming out hopefully in the next week or two, breaking down all of his individual pitches, so I'm sure Orioles fans will want to read up on that, including... The fact that he threw a knuckleball in high school and oh, wow. said he does not want to throw it anymore. It's too bad, because I would love to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, one of the great things that we're doing right now, and something I'm very excited about, is bringing MILB games to MLB TV. Um, so if you have a subscription to that, they're going to be free to watch through that. We're trying to spread as many minor league games as we can, get them in front of as many eyes as we can, because it's never been easier to watch minor league baseball um, and get to know these guys, as I'm sure a lot of Orioles fans are doing. Uh, trying to get to know these guys before they make the majors. And where can our listeners uh, give you a follow? I am on Twitter at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. Dykstra is spelled just like Lenny, but I am not related. And I feel like <laughs> I can stress that in every interview I do. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. All right, Sam, that was excellent stuff. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you down the line, all right? All right, thanks so much. All right, take care. Sam Dykstra from MLB Pipeline joining us today to talk about the, the their Pipeline uh, Game of the Month the other day that featured Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez, amongst others, and the prospects and who he thinks could go number one overall to the Orioles. Today's show brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland, the best place for the rest of... The- the best place for the NBA playoffs and all the big upcoming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks, 24 se- open 24-7, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. There are some huge events happening this month, including the NBA and NHL playoffs, the PGA Championship next week, where Phil Mickelson will not defend his title, uh, the Champions League final, and the Gervonta Davis-Rolando Romero fight. Reserve your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook for all of these events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com that's events at sportssocialmd.com we have to catch another break when we come back uh the payoff pitch around the league and orioles banter that and more on the battle round 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas inn and everybody around baltimore knows the costas inn is a great place to go and grab crabs steaks salads soups whatever's on your mind to eat in person but did you know that the costas inn has upped their game they are now one of the premier takeout places in baltimore give them a call now to order your food 410-477-1975 that's the costas inn over 4100 north point boulevard answering baltimore's calls for help running in when others run away working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city that's your baltimore police but the department needs more good people people like you join a proud new generation of baltimore police and make an active difference in your community start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one join for good at bpdrecruit.org All right, welcome back to the Batter Round. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community with competitive wages, the best in the state, and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. And now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini hit back-to-back home runs in the eighth, but Miguel Cabrera doubled, homered, and drove in two to provide the difference in the Tigers' 4-2 win over the Orioles. Oh, I don't know why. I, you know what? I just ran up and downstairs. So I'm a little out of breath. Mike Mustock has homered twice to back Tyler Molly's six solid innings as the Reds won for the sixth time in eight games after their 3 22 start, defeating the Pirates 8 2. Pablo Lopez struck out 11 over seven innings of one run ball, but Corbin Burns was just as good, going seven innings of one run ball himself. And former Oriole Tanner Scott took the loss after allowing a run in the ninth as the Brewers topped the Marlins 2 1. Jordan Alvarez hit his 11th home run, and Jose Altuve and Yuli Gurriel added homers of their own as the Astros handled the Nationals 6-1 for their 11th straight victory. 
Marco Gonzalez and Max Scherzer squared off in the pitcher's duel, but it was the Mariners that scored off the Mets' bullpen on an RBI single by Ty France to one up the Mets 2-1. to one. Manuel Margot, Francisco Mejia, and Brandon Lau all have run-scoring hits in the eighth to break a 2-2 tie and lead the Rays over the, Blue, the Rays over the Blue Jays 5-2. Eric Hosmer, Will, Will Myers, and Ha-Seong Kim combined for nine hits and seven RBI as the Padres took down the Braves 11-6. Xander Bogarts had two hits and two RBIs to back Nick Pavetta's seven solid innings as the Red Sox pounded the Rangers 7-1. Gary Sanchez homer doubled and drove in three to help the Twins beat the Guardians 12-8. Zach's crying. The Yankees got homers from Judge, Stanton, Donaldson, and Gallo to improve to a Major League best 24-8 as they cooled off the Red Hot White Sox 10-4. Mike Yastrzemski homered, walked twice, and drove in two as the Giants handled, handed the Cardinals their fifth loss in six games, 8-2. to two. Five Royals players had multi-RBI efforts as, the, as Kansas City pounded out 18 hits, including seven for extra bases, to win a slugfest with the Rockies, 14-10. Brendan Rodgers doubled twice, homered, and drove in four for the Rockies in the loss. Cattell Marte singled and doubled twice to, to pace the offense as a suddenly not terrible D-backs defeated the suddenly terrible Cubs, 4-3. Andrew Velasquez homered and Chase Silseth uh, allowed just one hit over six shutout innings to lead the Angels past the, A- the A's 2 to nothing. And in an instant classic, Bryce Harper had two doubles and a home run driving in two. Uh, but it was Nick Castellanos who provided the, the heroics with a two-run double and then scoring on a stolen base and an error in the 10th inning to lead the Phillies over the Dodgers 12 to 10. Dodgers loaded the bases in the bottom of the 10th inning with nobody out and only scored run one run on a Mookie Betts double play ball. And Zach has what's on tap for us here uh, today in Major League Baseball. And, and, and Bryce Harper, by the way, did all of that with a, a torn UCL. He's got a torn UCL right now, which is which is crazy. We talked about before in the show how hard he plays and everything. It's, it's wild that he's playing with torn UCL. But anyway... As far as Saturday goes, we got a lot of good games on tap today. The Giants and the Cardinals, 215 at Bush Stadium. Jacob Junis against Dakota Hudson. Padres and the Braves at 4 o'clock. At four o'clock. Shomanaya and Charlie Morton. Morton off to a pretty bad start to the year. He's got a 5.65 ERA, 2 and 3 for the 15 and 18 Braves. Angels at A's at 4 o'clock. Jonathan Diaz, Paul Blackburn. Blackburn's 4 0 with a 1.74 ERA, one of the best starters so far this year. Uh, is an Oakland A, which is quite surprising given the struggles of the team. They're 14 and 20. The 14 and 19 Baltimore Orioles will take on the 10 and 23 Detroit Tigers as Bruce Zimmerman, the Baltimore product, takes on Michael Pineda. Zimmerman's going to look to keep going on what's been a, a, a very good start to the season for him, and he's taken over for John Means as the Orioles' ace, looking to keep that going. Two six seven ERA this year, and he he's simply been fantastic. He'll keep, he'll keep working this year, and uh, you know try to beat Michael Pineda today. Blue Jays and Rays, Yunjun Ryu against Ryan Yarbrough at six ten Tropicana Field. Rays off to a 20 and 13 start. Jays are 17 and 16. A little bit of a struggle for the Jays so far, but the Rays are off to a great start. Brewers have Eric Lauer on the mound. He's 3 0, 182 ERA against the Marlins. Trevor Rogers, the lefty lefty matchup there at 610 at Lone Depot. The Reds and the Pirates at 635. Luis Castillo, he's looking for a bounce back start against Zach Thompson. It was a 708 ERA. With the struggling Pirates, not entirely surprising there. The Pirates have been a little bit better than maybe some people should have expected, but Zach Thompson, not one of the better starters in this rotation. He'll go today. Astros, Nationals, 705 at Nats Park down in the district. Christian Javier, Eric Fetty, both off the great starts in the year. Javier, 8.83 ERA. Eric Fetty, 390, both off the great starts. We'll see who wins that matchup at Nats Park today. Astros have been great as of late. They're 22 and 11. Probably going to win that AL West division pretty easily. Red Sox and Rangers. The Red Sox have been 
been struggling mightily are going to throw Rich Hill against Glenn Otto of the Rangers, 705 at Globe Life Field. Mariners, they'll play the Mets at 710. Mets are going to look to bounce back. They've had a few rough games here and there lately, but George Kirby, the rookie, is going to go against Chris Bassett, who came over in that trade from the A's earlier this year. Cleveland, they'll take on the Twins. Shane Bieber looking for another bounce-back start after he gave up seven earned in his last start against Devin Smeltzer of the Minnesota Twins. Yankees and White Sox, good matchup here. Jordan Montgomery, Dallas Keuchel, two lefties will go out at the Yankees. They're 24-8, best team in the league to look to keep it going. Cubs and D-backs, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Gallen. Gallen is off to one of the best starts of the year. .95 ERA, 26 strikeouts with a 2-0 record. For the 18-15 and D-backs, as Paul mentioned, not too bad of a team. But 8-10, Cubs at D-backs at Chase Field. Royals and Rockies, Carlos Hernandez, German Marquez, 8-10 at Coors Field. The Rockies, 500 record at 16-16, and not too bad for what you could have expected from Colorado this year. Angels and A's, game two of that doubleheader at 9-40. Might not start at that time, we'll have to see see what happens. Usually those doubleheaders are a little bit weird with that, but Michael Lorenzen and Adam Aller will go to battle. And then finally, Phillies and Dodgers to close out the night at 10-10. Ranger Suarez, Julio Arias. Arias, 20-game winner last year. Only got two so far on the year, but he's got a 2-10 ERA. Phillies at Dodgers, 10-10 at Dodger Stadium. That's what we got on tap. All right. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, the payoff pitch around the league today was brought to you by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with new Ravens tackle Daniel Falele, top Orioles prospect D.L. Hall, and Kentucky Derby winner, winning trainer Eric Reed. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Um... And speaking of Glenn Clark Radio, for those of you who are just tuning in, um, I will be leaving Glenn Clark Radio. This coming Friday, May 20th, is my last day on the program. It has nothing to do with Glenn or anybody in, within Press Box or the show itself. It's um, basically just because I had to take a new job because my wife and I want to have kids and we want to buy a house and I want to be able to plan for retirement and sending my kids to college and whatnot. And so it's I, there's some, uh, working in sports is a dream for me. And I've been living my dream the last few years. And it's a, for me, it's heartbreaking. But I'm still going to be here on the Battleground every Saturday. Still going to be doing my other Orioles show on Monday with the Sideline Sports Network. Um, you know, I'll... I'll still pop in from time to time hopefully but it's an opportunity for me to realize a new dream and that's starting a family and building a life with my beautiful beautiful wife so I will no longer be uh, part of Glenn Clark Radio after this Friday tune in as always and um, hopefully we do something special on Friday to close my uh, short but wonderful tenure here uh, on Glenn Clark Radio so with all that sappy stuff out of the way, it is time for Orioles banter. Uh, and Zach, before we get into the nitty-gritty of Orioles banter, what we're going to do is we're going to look at um, uh, one of the latest mock drafts um, from MLB Pipeline. But before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit about Gunnar Henderson. Because after what Jordan Westbrook did last year and the struggles that we saw from Henderson once he got up to Bowie and then mm -hmm. um, once he got up to, I'm sorry, um, Aberdeen and then to Bowie, you really thought that Westberg was ahead of him. And yeah. we're talking about him being a, a, a top 100 prospect potentially and maybe even making his debut for the Orioles in the second half of the season because there is a need in the infield, right? Yeah. 
And Gunnar Henderson, all he did in this offseason was work his tail off. And he was a guy who struck out like 143 times last year Mm -hmm. and only walked 54 times. He's walked more than he struck out now this year. The batting eye has gotten better. He's driving the ball with authority. He's hitting over 300. He's got one of the best on-base percentages, if not the best, in all of AA baseball. And the the defense, we were just talking with Sam Dykstra about it, the defense he's been playing at shortstop, but more so third base, has been fantastic to start this season. Gunnar Henderson, the Orioles' number three overall prospect. He's a top 100 prospect in just about every publication. This guy looks like a real player for them. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly does. Uh, the big concern, I'll start with Westberg here, and just the, the I guess, the battle between those two for a, a job at the Orioles and whoever makes it first. I just want to start with that by saying Westberg's problem coming out of college for me was that he struck out a lot and the hit tool wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be for as high as they took him. I thought mm-hmm. he should have been a little, maybe, I, I liked his his double play partner, Justin Foscue, coming out of that school a little bit better than I, I did with Westberg because he had a better hit tool. I'm not sure how Foscue is doing with the Texas Rangers right now, but I think last year he hit like over 300 he was pretty good and that was always my concern with Westberg that the hit tool wasn't going to transfer and translate to the major leagues like uh, a lot of people projected it to be and so far I mean Last year he hit pretty well. Bill, you obviously know he was he was successful. He hit well at all three um, levels. He, he, he did, and, and and I think what he's experienced right now is a slow start. And I don't think this is what Westberg is at all. And I think he's a much better hitter than what he's showing. Uh, but Gunnar Henderson has certainly looks like he's taken the lead as far as uh, those two and, and and the battle to get to Baltimore. Um, I I can't even imagine Gunnar Henderson at this point is that far off, given the fact that he's hitting three or four. Um, is his OPS is 950 at the moment, and the fact that you know the Orioles have a massive hole at third base, I'm, I don't think he, he's that far off at this point because the guy's tearing it up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he got bigger, he got stronger. The swing I've seen it uh, once. I think I've seen a game so far in Bowie, and it looked really good. Um, he didn't have a great day that that specific day I was there, but it just looked good. He he played a a solid third base. The guy is a very very good baseball player, and I think the ceiling was always higher with Gunnar Henderson than mm-hmm. it was Westberg. And it's because of the hit tool with Westberg. And that's always been kind of the issue. I think Westberg could end up with more power. I think Westberg could be a 25, 30 home run guy. Maybe Westberg, or maybe uh, Gunnar Henderson is as well. But I do think Westberg has a, a slight power advantage there between the two guys. But I think Gunnar Henderson is the more well rounded overall player. I do like the comparison, by the way, of Danzy Sponson to uh, Jordan Westberg. I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. And Gunnar Henderson, maybe, I don't want to say. Corey Seager, but a, a lighter version of Corey Seager is is what I think people are starting to see with this guy. And, and I hate comping him to someone that. Good. Hopefully, somebody that's able to stay healthier. Yes, than, hopefully, than Corey hopefully. Seager. Now, and to your point about Jordan Westberg, it it does look like it was more of a slow start than anything else mm-hmm. because his last three games, he's five for eleven. He scored yeah. four runs. He got a t- three doubles, a home run, six RBIs yeah. in the last three games. So he's really coming on. This is another guy yeah. who has a great batter's eye. Sure, he, he gets on base at a, at a fairly high clip uh, despite his two oh eight. Batting average uh, right now for the season, his yeah, own, and his, th- his own base percentage is three thirty three. Right, exactly. If you look at solely average, I think it's going to be a bit misleading uh, because he simply has gotten on base a lot more than the average shows. And the OPS is seven seventy seven, and that's that's nothing to to write home about. But it's not bad at all. It's not well, bad considering at all. how how bad he's been right. swinging the last three weeks. Yeah. And, and you look at the season they had last year between three levels: two eighty five, three eighty nine, yeah. four seventy nine, with an eight sixty eight OPS, fifteen homers, seven stolen ba- seventeen stolen bases, uh, and seventy nine RBIs in yeah. in what a hundred and twelve games. Right. That's a player. Right. And that, that's a player. I think he's somebody who could factor into the middle of the Orioles' uh, infield. Yeah. Before too long. 
Yeah, so he he struck out last year. Um, you know, he struck out 127 times. Pretty pretty sizable number. He walked 61. That's not bad at all. That's a decent ratio. Uh, but if you look at the college numbers, 39 to 69 strikeouts in 2019 in his last full season. Obviously, 20, 2020 when he was drafted was not a full season. He played 16 games. Not a great sample size there. But the strikeouts were high, and they continued to be high last year. But now you're looking at a 20 to 34 ratio, which is very impressive. That's that's for Double A baseball. Uh, 20 to 34 walks to strikeouts is a very good ratio and where he wants to be, I think. And and yeah. 77 777 OPS is nothing it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's fine. And the Orioles have and forgive me, the, the names are like they're they're hard names to pronounce, so I can't even remember them. The two new Orioles hitting coaches that they have at the major league level. Um Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna but, pass but, on that one. <laughs> but they but they got two new guys who are younger. Um they take an analytical approach to it, and you know yes. that that system's going through the entire and you've seen it on the pitching side of things, you're seeing it on the offensive side right. of things. Uh, from from the major league level on down, guys are walking more and striking out less. Now, the yes. Orioles are striking out still at a pretty high clip. But the, a guy like Anthony Santander, I think he's got as many walks this year as he had all last year. I was just going to say, he is at uh, 19 already, and he was at 23 last year. So right. he's almost there. And he's got 19 to 26 strikeouts. Very, very nice ratio. Yeah, so the, it, you're seeing it up and down the system. Right. And, and the, the people that are like, oh, they, they don't have a plan. Michael Elias doesn't know what he's doing. You, it's yeah. right there in front of your eyes sure. for you to see. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's doing it. Which is and, why, and it's not just Michael Elias. Like this is there's so much talent across the whole organization from the, the coaches. I think Chris Holt is one of the smartest people there is. I really think Chris Holt. And they, they had to make him pitching coach because if they didn't, somebody else was going. To. Right, right. You know, um, and, and and that's why, it, as much as you don't. I'm always going to question Michael Elias with regards to Adley Rutschman until they make a, make an announcement I agree. about his debut and when it's going to be. Yeah. and why, it, it should be on Monday. There's nothing left for this guy to no. prove, and no. especially if he catches today. Now, they play at 1 o'clock. I'd imagine that lineup's got to be out. I'll check on it for you. By now. But um, if he's catching, I think that that, that that should signify that he's got an opportunity to debut on Monday. There is no lineup, which I think is kind of curious. Given the fact that they're you know an hour away from game time, if they do actually play at one o'clock, I don't know the the start time for them. But there is no lineup out yet. That is a bit curious. Yeah, that's that's surprising. It um, is. It makes you wonder if there are plans. Could be for for Rutschman. Um, now you did mention earlier that. You heard a rumor that Mike Elias has a press conference. Who did you hear this from? I, I just saw a random tweet about it. That's why I asked Stan, because I wanted to see if I could get confirmation on it. I don't remember who said it. I don't remember when they said it was going to be. But someone said that Mike Elias was going to have a press conference on Sunday or Monday or something like that. I have no idea if it's true. That's why I wanted to get confirmation from Stan. But oh, okay. Stan, you, Stan did not know. You so. would hope that it would be today. That right, you would hope that would be. I mean, this would be a perfect day to announce this, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you've got Monday coming up. Um, it's the New York Yankees. You're probably going to fill that ballpark pretty high if you announce Rutschman is coming up. It's just going to happen. And, and what I wanted to talk about more in my sounding off segment was that the Orioles in recent years, if you look at the social their social media team, not good at all before like. 2019, and then they got really good, and now they're very, very, very talented. And that you see a lot of the stuff coming out, and the Orioles' social media is fantastic compared to what it used to be. And I think this would be just a huge miss for them if they weren't promoting this. And obviously, it's not their decision; it's not the social media team's decision. But it comes from the top that once Michael Elias says, "Okay, this is time to bring Rutschman up," they need to get on it and they need to market the hell out of this thing. Like they need to make this the biggest event to happen in Baltimore since. You know, maybe Manny Machado's debut or something like that. Like this has got to be 
the biggest marketing effort the Orioles have ever had. I mean, he's this pounding is such a his big fist deal. on the table. I'm, I'm, it's important. I really think it's important. I, I think you've got to let people know. Run TV commercials. Adley Rutschman's coming, right? Like it, you remember Jesus with cleats with, oh, with absolutely. Matt Weeders, and that's the kind of thing that I think people need to feel about Rutschman. And I, I think there are a lot of people that do feel that way. But you get you'll get some fans who just have heard the name. They don't really watch baseball. Maybe they don't know it, but they've heard the name and they know this guy is supposed to be the the. Face of the fran- face of the franchise for the Baltimore Orioles. Run TV commercials. R- you know, put billboards out there. Notify people. Let them know. I, I think there- it-, it would be a huge miss if they didn't. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. And I think if they're making an announcement tomorrow, mm. that that might be too late. That that, that, that announcement is going to be for Friday. I, I okay. can't. I can't. I I, I can't imagine. See, I don't know if they'll announce it that far ahead. I I can't imagine that you'd announce on Sunday that Rutschman is debuting on Monday. Now look, when they announced yeah. when they announced Weeders, they got eleven thousand walk up um, tickets sold exactly that day. What now, I'm but saying. that but that was on a Friday mm. when he debuted, and maybe that's what they're going to do again. A lot of people seem to think that the Orioles' thirtieth anniversary celebration is on Friday, mm. guys. It's not. It's not. I don't no, know who okay. where people <laughs> got this idea because I've heard it from more than one person. Their thirtieth celebration is and has always been on August sixth against the Pirates. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, and they probably wanted to do it. On a date when they thought they had a good chance to right. win, uh, playing the Pirates. So it's August sixth. This Friday, they are doing a, a um a giveaway. It's a thirtieth anniversary tumbler ah, that they're giving okay. to the first ten thousand fans. But it is not the Orioles' thirtieth anniversary celebration. Um, and some guys on the radio yesterday on a different station were talking about how. They can't imagine them debuting Rutschman on the 30th anniversary celebration because they don't want him to steal the thunder. Well, they're not because right. there's no thunder to be stolen. So I can 100% see it being on Friday. Sure. Um, I hope not because I have t- Zach and I have tickets for Monday. Right. So I mean, we'll find a way to get to the ballpark. I have to. I have if the game is on Friday, I have to convince my wife that it's okay for me to to miss work for us to get this new puppy. On Friday, mm-hmm. but not okay for me to miss the Adley Rutschman debut. <laughs> I have to find a way to convince her. Hopefully, if I say, babe, I'm the host of a baseball show and we have a show tomorrow, I can't not be at this game. Adley Rutschman. She'll be understanding, but I I, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't think so. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, in the meantime, the Orioles have the number one overall pick in the draft, just like they did with Adley Rutschman they in do. 2019. Uh, and it's looking like the number one prospect is Drew Jones. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at a mock draft by Jim Callis that just came out on May 11th, so just the other day. Um, on fr- It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. He has the Orioles taking Drew Jones, and he says, The Orioles have narrowed their field to the top four high school players, Jones, Elijah Green, Jackson Holiday, and Tamar Johnson, who are also the top four prospects on the draft top 150, and a couple of college options, presumably Cal Poly shortstop Brooks Lee and Louisiana State third baseman outfielder Jacob Berry. If they look to do a discount, Berry theoretically would save the most money because he's most likely to slip into the 6-10 to range. With that in mind, it's only May. You... Do a draft show with Matt Pine, right? Mm-hmm. Are you doing Would that this year? Not be doing it this year, given but, but my are, affiliation. Are you still, um, are you still paying as much attention to it? Oh, very. Well, I uh, that's part of my job. So, oh yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> I, true. I pay a great deal of attention. Um, is do you think the Orioles do something they haven't done in years and go a guy like Drew Jones number one overall? 
I do. I think that's going to be the pick. If I was projecting it right now, um, I think that would be the pick. And the reasoning for me is that Mike Elias, I really think, wanted to give an influx of college talent that was closer to the major league level in the past few years because the Orioles were so depleted, uh, especially at the higher levels. I mean, AAA was so depleted for them in the past few years, especially you look at you know 2019, 2020. Obviously, they didn't play in 2020, but what would have been the roster would have been pretty depleted. And I think that Mike Elias really wanted to, to inject guys quickly. And guys like Rutschman and Heston Kerstad, even though he hasn't played, but even Colton Kowser, all of those guys are very polished, and they're very safe. And Mike Elias is saying, okay, maybe not the highest ceiling with a guy like Colton Kowser, but a really high floor. So you're, you're getting a guy who maybe he's not going to be a superstar, but we know he's going to be a pretty good Major League Baseball player. So that is is kind of in the approach for Michael Elias. But now, with the way the Orioles' farm system has been built out, I think you're willing to take on a little more risk. And I think that's the way Michael Elias is going to think. Drew Jones, 5 to a player. I mean, he's got everything. Is he, is he a center fielder? He is a center fielder okay. at the moment. Um, and I, I, with you know, Sam mentioned it earlier, with a 70 on his run tool, he's going to stick there. There's very, mm-hmm. little, there's very little chance he won't. Um, and the guy does everything well. The biggest concern for me right now is Drew jo- with Drew Jones is where the body's at. Because he, if you look at him, he's a pretty skinny, small guy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it might take, if, you know, if he's 18 years old right now, if he gets into the minor leagues next year, or even this season, if they decide to start playing him immediately after he's drafted... Um, I, I think there could be some struggles just based on the way the body is has yet to fill out. But when he fills out, and there's so much projection left of that body, but when he fills out, guy's going to be a monster. I mean, he's going to be an absolute monster, and he's going to show off every tool at you know basically every level. I think will be pretty quick to the majors. Um, my guy that I really like in this draft is Tamar Johnson. I think Tamar Johnson is a very very talented player. One of the well, they have one here. Jim Callis said that. Um uh, Johnson is the best pure hitter to come out yeah. of the prep ranks in years. I would personally take him number one overall. If I was picking if I was the Orioles, but I, I think the reason there is just that you know he's probably a seventy on the hit tool. Um, the power isn't really there, but of course it could develop. The, the biggest concern with him is he's a second baseman most likely in the future, and he's one of those smaller guys. I think he's five nine, five ten, which Drew Jones is not a super tall guy either. But just the the height concerns and. You know, just the maybe the overall power concerns are where you, you start to, to drift away from taking him number one overall, but the hit tool's there. The guy's a gorgeous swing, if you've seen it. Super rhythmic. I mean, the guy, he does everything so uh, super well um, in high school right now, and he's, he's playing in Georgia, obviously, which is um, a gr- you know, great competition he's playing against. So maybe he's an option for the Orioles. You look at Jacob Berry, switch hitter guy. At, at, he's a switch hitter, and a, a guy who's a ton of power from both sides. Um, I've seen some home runs he's hit from the left side. He's just unbelievable power. Now, um, the, Jim Callis has the Cubs taking Tamar Johnson at 7th overall, okay. but he has him yeah. as his number 3 overall prospect. Okay. Um, now, why would he fall that far? Could be a money issue, I guess. Um, maybe, you know, he significantly wants, you know, a, a great deal over slot and maybe teams aren't willing to pay him that much in the the first six picks. I've, I have no idea with this uh, in this scenario, but that, that certainly could be the reason. Now, uh, the guy we were talking about last year at this point was Elijah Green. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he struck out quite a bit yeah. um, last year on the uh, spring circuit. Uh, how's he looking this year, and why is he falling off our boards? So I, bit? I, what I've heard a lot about Elijah Green is just the strikeouts have been, you know, the swing and miss, and just the bat to ball skills maybe not being where people want it to be. But the obviously the arm is like top tier. The the fielding's great, um, and there, there's a ton of raw power. But it's just the bat to ball skills. The contact is going to be where he'll he'll fall short a little bit, I think. Uh, but you know, again, super talented guy, and I would not be surprised at all if the Orioles take him number one. Now, if the Orioles decide to stick with their 
with, with what they've done in the past, and they go with a college bat. Is it Brooks Lee or is it Jacob Berry? Yeah, I, I'm not a big Lee guy myself, personally. I would probably take him more in the 6-10 to ten range than I would 1-5. to five. Um, Jacob Berry, maybe I'm a little more inclined to, to look at in that 1-5 to five range. Um, I there's not a huge separation between either of them. Uh, Brooks Lee plays a more premium position, so maybe Brooks Lee would be the guy the Orioles would look at at number one. Um, and especially with Michael Elias' affinity for for college infielders, that could certainly be where they go uh, number one. But I, I still think Drew Jones is the pick. I really think he's the runaway pick at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that's who everybody's getting super yeah. excited about at this point. Now with Brooks Lee, is this a guy where it would take him three years to get to the majors, or is he a, would he be a quick mover? Uh, it, I think it depends on how quickly the body fills out. I think that's, like I said, the biggest thing for him is just, you know, he, there's so much projection left. But it's Talking just, about Brooks Lee. Oh, Brooks Lee. Sorry, I thought yeah. you meant Drew Jones. Um, Brooks Lee, yeah, he'd be a quick mover. I think he's one of those guys where the bat-to-ball skills are already very developed. Um, he's already a pretty solid fielder at short, and I think he's going to stick there. Uh, the arm plays there. It, it's just going to be whether, you know, how, how well he's obviously going to compete to the higher levels, but I think he can move very quickly. Um, now, I said that about Colton Kowser, and he's struggling pretty mightily at Aberdeen, so you never know. But I, I think Brooks Lee could move very quickly. I think I think Brooks Lee is kind of on the same tier as, like, a Colton Kowser. Like, he's not mm-hmm. that number one overall guy he's more in like that five six kind of range um but i again the orioles could certainly go under slot and grab one of those guys it's it's a little concerning to me um and i get it, it's his first full year pro ball we haven't hit the warmer months and um mm-hmm. may, maybe the bat will come on more yeah uh but it's concerning to me how much colton cows are struggling i agree at at, yeah. at high a right, right now i feel like this is a guy for where they took him and what his his hit tool was supposed to be right i feel like he should be a guy who's dominating yeah. Uh, high A pitching, and he's just not. He's hitting, I agree. He's hitting two thirty seven, really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys' averages are really. Kobe Mayo's average is really down. Maybe maybe the competition is higher than we expect. Let's talk to Manfred about the ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe right. it's the ball. I don't know. Um, but a, a lot of these guys now. Cesar Prieto, not him. He's he's not struggling. Is he hurt again? Because I know he went on the IL. He played that. a game, and then he wasn't in the lineup uh, two days ago. And not only that, he wasn't listed as a bench player. He's not listed on the IL for me. For so, for, for Aberdeen. No. So maybe it was just an omission by accident. But um, the shocking thing there is the, the seven home runs. Yeah. For Prieto. Well, he, he's he's facing competition that's beneath him. Definitely. And this is one of those things where once I think that once he gets back onto the field r- regularly and the bat gets going again, he's going to move yeah. to Bowie here pretty quickly. Yeah. Maybe maybe by the end of the month. He just turned twenty three as well um, on May tenth. Yeah, and this is a guy who the Orioles expected to move quickly yeah. uh, because of his age and how much he's been playing in the Cuban um, in the Cuban series. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm excited to see where what his ceiling could be and where he could end up with the Orioles. Excellent stuff, Zach. Really appreciate it. what I need you to do is I need you to reprint the live read for Pressbox because this is what you gave me for the print edition. Okay. I actually I can just pull it up on the computer and read it uh, from here if you want, if that okay. works we'll, for you. We'll, we'll do that when we come back Perfect. from the break. We are hitting our second or our second break of, I'm sorry, our third break, third break of the show. Today's show is brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. The best place to be for the NBA playoffs and all the big upcoming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks, which are open 24-7, and... You can watch all the action from the best seat in the house. There are some huge events happening this month, including the NBA and NHL playoffs, the PGA Championship next week, the Champions League final if you're into soccer, and the Gervonta davis Rolando romero fight. Reserve your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook for all of those events right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. When we come back, 
We will close things out with Take to Break and our final thoughts. All that and more here on The Bat Around. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com sports betting has come to maryland and we're ready to help you win some money tune in for simply the bets with glenn clark and paul valley every tuesday morning at 11:40. Fandle fandle sportsbook gm bruce billick and vsin's aaron oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners so come win some money with us on simply the bets every tuesday at 11:40 a.m brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio watch at youtube.com slash pressbox online the toyota Tacoma. Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
I'm letting it play, Paul. I, I, I love this too much. I've got to let it play. But today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of PressBox. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for catching and baseball came from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smoko takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress this season. And Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, my man. Um, it's looking like you may have won. Ooh, taking a uh, win. This is, this, is, this is surprising for me because Cedric Mullins had such a big week. Yeah. He went 11 for 31. Okay. Trey Mancini, 11 for 28, one home run, three RBIs, one walk, three strikeouts. Um, that's a 393 average, 452 OBP, 500 slugging percentage. Okay. So then we're going to go back and we're going to look at what Cedric Mullins did because he had a really nice week too. He did. Um, Cedric Mullins, over the last seven games, 11 for 31, three runs, one home run, four RBIs, one walk, four strikeouts, three stolen bases, 355, 375, 484, and OBP, I mean, an OPS, well, uh, close to 900. And then we're going to look at Ryan Mountcastle, who barely played uh, the last few games. Um, I should have done this last night. Zach said he was going to do it during the show, so he should have done it during the show at some point. I didn't know who he took. That was the problem. That's why. Yeah, I no, it, that's it's it's honestly it's it's not a big deal at all. I'm thinking that you may have won by the skin of your teeth for okay. the second straight week, but we have to see how Ryan Mountcastle did just to say that we looked at it. Ryan Mountcastle this past week. By the way, little little tidbit here while you're looking for that. Uh, yeah, he he only had he only had eleven. Uh, well, no, no, no. Go ahead. What's the little tidbit? Since May third, Ryan, uh, Austin Hayes, Trey Mancini, and Cedric Mullins lead the American League in batting average. They are the top three. That's crazy. So yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Since wait, wait. May, since, Cedric, May, Cedric, since May third, May third, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and who? Uh, Trey Mancini and Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini's been on fire. He recently. has. I mean, people he has haven't been. been talking enough about it. Ryan Mountcastle went six for six for sixteen. Okay. With uh, a double. Um, one run scored and four RBIs this week. What is uh, six divided by 16? 375. 375. Trey Mancini wins. Okay. You won for the uh, third straight week. Third straight week. So now you're three, yeah. two, and one to my two, three, and one. Somehow. I, I, I got to step my game up. Mm. It's your pick. I already know who you're taking, so just say it. I, I would have taken Austin Hayes if he had not been injured and I don't know how many games he's going to play this week so I don't I guess I got to go Cedric right yeah <laughs> I got to go Cedric there's no way that you were taking Austin Hayes anyway he went oh, over he went, I love my guy Austin he Hayes he went over the series in St. Louis did. the he bat's did. cooling down a little bit and Cedric Mullins has been tearing the cover off I'll the go ball Cedric. for about three weeks now there's no way you weren't taking Cedric no matter <laughs> what it, no, there's no there's no way don't lie to the people um I'll have to go ahead and take Trey Mancini. He, okay. he hit a home run last night. Ride, ride this heat wave. Maybe um, he's in what two ninety three on the season now. Yeah, it's it's pretty high. Yeah, um, he's quietly gotten those numbers up to Trey Mancini levels, and the power's starting to come a little bit too um, after hitting some tough luck to begin the year. So it's going to be uh, 
you're taking Cedric Mullins. I'm taking Austin. Just wait till I get to pick first again uh, next Austin week. Hayes, I, I'm taking Trey Mancy. Just wait till I get to pick first next week. At Adley Rutschman. You know that's gonna feel good. Yeah. Um, F you. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So you get to do your final th- final thought first today. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. I was going to say. You, you, you take, call- take the Rake today was brought to you by Simply the Bets. Sportage betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and yours truly, Paul Valley, every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week. A lot of times it's the assistant GM, Leon Twyman, who joins us from the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. But those guys will join us every week to give you all the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the bets every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. You can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And you can also watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And every other Tuesday at 11.40, you can tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronenthal Cronenthal, uh, help make you some money for the weekend. This will be my last Simply the Bets and my last Weekend at Bookies this week. Final thoughts. What do you got for me? So when Austin Hayes went down um, and Ryan Malcastle went on the uh, the injured list, the first thought that came to my mind is you've got a 26 year or 25 year old, excuse me, that is hitting 327 with a 934 OPS in AAA right now. His name's Usniel Diaz. It's time to finally get a look at Usniel Diaz. You're getting a look at Rylan Bandham right now. It's time with Austin Hayes currently. I, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I'm guessing like three or four more games probably. And then Mountcastle on the injured list. It's time to give Diaz a look. You can have Nevin back up Mancini at, at first base. That's you know you, you have no issues there at first base. You don't need to bring up another one. You've got you know I I guess not enough outfielders currently with Austin Hayes. You know kind of on the on the mend here. You have guys like Mateo and he can um, play outfield, but it's and, just not and, and Owings who can play the outfield. Right, but but you've got Usniel Diaz, a guy that can come up. And at least get a look at him. And he's finally performing the way that Usniel Diaz was supposed to perform when he came over on the Manny Machado deal. It's time. Give Usniel Diaz a look. With Austin Hayes on the mend, Ryan Malcastle on the list, it's time. It's, it, I really want to see what Usniel Diaz can do. And I'm not expecting a lot. Like uh, Sam Dykstra said earlier, it's, it's more of going to be probably a fourth outfielder situation from him. Uh, but I truly believe he can be a better fourth outfielder than a guy like Ryan McKenna can. That's my opinion. Ryan McKenna, who hit three home runs in the game the other he day. Did. He did. Uh, he did. You said that so, but he did. Because he's putting himself back on the Orioles' radar to, to come back I'm up not and, a, I'm and, not a fan. and hit 200. Although he was hitting yeah. 260 when he went down. He was. He was. I, Limited plate appearances. Right. But if he, could, if he could be the player at the major league level mm. that he is a AAA, right now, to me, all Ryan McKenna is doing is proving he's a 4A player. He is. He's, it, he's like the he's best like, 4A player they have. <laughs> he's, to me, he's, he's looking like DJ Stewart. Yeah, in the sense yeah. that DJ Stewart has more po- had more pop at the sure. big league level, but DJ Stewart always hit at AAA. Right, he always hit. Has he even been playing down there? I know that he cleared waivers. I, and he went and he went there. I have there. no idea. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look at DJ Stewart's uh, numbers here. Um, but yeah, Ryan McKenna, he smashed at AAA last right. year. He's smashing at AAA this year. Uh, but then he gets to the major leagues, and he's not that same player. Well, we've talked over and over about how big the gap is, and that someone wrote last year that the gap has only grown ever since COVID um, uh, between AAA and the major leagues, obviously. And that, that jump is becoming harder and harder. Ryan McKenna, he's looking like Joey Rickard to me. It's kind of the vibes I get from Ryan McKenna. Like He's going to make some spectacular outfield plays. He's going to run around out there. But the, the, oh, the, DJ Stewart's on the injured list. Is he? Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, the bat-to-ball skills are just where McKenna really lacks. And he's got a little bit of pop. I mean, he's probably, you know, 20 to 80. He's, he's probably, got a little bit of pop. You sound like Christopher Walken over there. 
Okay. Um, but no, I mean, he's, he's got a little power, and he's just got to use, you know, he's got to be able to get to it. I think the contact is where he's, you know, falls behind, and that that's where Ryan McKenna uh, is, is just going to continue to struggle, I think, in the major the, league level. And the, the thing with Ryan McKenna is that he can't hit an elite fastball at the big right. league level. Right. Uh, because he, he's... If it's 95 or higher, he, he can't touch it. Right. I, honestly, if it's like 94 or, yeah. or higher. If, if he could hit the fastball, I, I'd have a little bit more confidence. But the same thing with DJ Stewart. Yeah. He would get fastballs right down the middle and swing right through them. You know, it, oh, it's, that was getting to be a huge problem last year. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I don't know. We'll see. My final thought has been my thought for the entire day. Quit dragging your feet. Yeah. Let's get, get Adley Rutschman to the big league level. Yeah. There's, there's nothing left to prove. No. Now, look, the Tides play here in 50 minutes, and the lineup's not out yet. That is a very, very questionable thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know that it could be just a coincidence. I don't know that it has be. anything to do with Adley Rutschman. Maybe they're trying to see how he feels before they announce that they're going to have him catch again. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to give him the day off and have him catch tomorrow, especially uh, after a day game after a night game. I, I, maybe they, honestly, if I'm the Orioles, I'm having him catch today yeah. for the Norfolk Tides. Day game after a night game, see how he handles it, and then make my decision from there. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they've had a date in their mind for the last I'm couple sure of weeks. Known, I gu- right? Guaranteed that, yeah. they, that they have a date in their mind. Um, it's on them to know. There's no way they don't know what the fan base is talking yeah. about. There's no way they don't know. Even if you're not going to debut him till Friday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday for that matter, you have to tell us. Right. It, 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 this and if they're doing the thing where they want to sell as many tickets to Monday, just announce he's coming up on Friday, and then sell as many tickets as they can there. That's a crappy thing to do. Yeah, I agree. It's a really crappy thing to do. The the time has come. Get Adley Rushman to the big league level. Quit dragging your feet. I'm not a talent evaluator, but if he says he feels 100% healthy, he's hitting at uh, he's hitting. He's playing great defense, and we we talked to Sam Dykstra, who saw him up close and personal on Thursday, and said the defense is, is great. He knows yeah. how to catch the pitching staff, and the bat looked really good. Did you see the home run that he hit? I did. It looked like the wind caught it, maybe a little bit. Uh, but but it, the, he that pitch was high, was high up and in. And in. Yeah. It was up and in, like at, like shoulder level. Yeah, and he got his hands turned in, it. turned on it, got the barrel to the ball, mm-hmm. and hit it over the fence. Yeah, even it, it, Norfolk's Park is not easy to hit a home deep, run out of. Very deep. Uh, so. It was a legitimate home run. To get the bo- the barrel to the ball and where that pitch was, yeah. that's somebody who can hit pitching. Agreed. That, that's somebody who can just flat out hit. So to me, it's the time has come. And either way, even if the time hasn't come in your eyes, uh, Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde and Sigma Adele, um, tell us. You need to tell us one way or right. the other. You know what's going on. Yeah. You know what's going on. Guys, that's going to do it for us here on the Batter Round. Thanks to Stan Charles for his weekly segment. Special thanks out to Sam Dykstra for coming on and talking about the Orioles prospects and their draft prospects. Thank you to Zach Goodman. You can follow him at... Uh, Z Goodman 20, I think it is. Z Goodman 20 <laughs> on Twitter. You can p- follow me at Paul Valley the Third. That's Paul Valley I-I-I on Twitter. We will see you next week. Until then, see ya!